Welcome along to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that condenses down some of the interviews that we have on Scoreline at the weekend from 2 to 6 on KCLR. We'll be chatting lots of things, camogie, soccer, Carlos Gaelic bingo, with chats with both manager of the senior hurling and football team in Carlo Nile Carew and Tom Mullally. Fitness, greyhounds, injury prevention... Woo! It was a busy, busy weekend. But we're going to start with the new Kilkenny and District League chairman, Rob Higton, after he was voted in on Monday night. Everyone knows. I'm a big football man. And when I say football, I mean soccer. You know what I'm talking about. Invested in Castle Warren, you'll generally hear a lot of our reports coming away and generally invested in all things local soccer. And over the past few months, uh, the Kilkenny and District League have had a bit of a tumultuous time in respect of some of the fixtures being cancelled or postponed and uh, committee resigning and now we have a new committee it was voted in on Monday night I believe and joining me now is the new chairman of the Kilkenny and District Knee, Callan's own Rob Higton Rob, how are you doing sir? Yeah, very good thanks Shane Rob, new chairman of the Kilkenny and District League and uh, it's daunting task no doubt Yeah, look, there's (laughs) a huge amount of work uh, involved here Uh, but I think uh, the most important thing that, that we have to focus on is a bit of bridge building with with all the clubs in the league. Um, I think with what happened with the previous uh, committee breaking down, um, you know, it was over. Uh, it was all to do with, with new affiliation fees for the season, uh, the coming season. Um, and I just think the situation was, was badly handled by the old committee. And I think a lot of clubs would agree with that. And it's kind of really what brought things to a halt. And now that there is a new committee and uh, the old committee have been there for a long time and I have to say John Corrigan, any of my dealings with him and we were doing the draws for the KCLR McCallum Cup, always a joy to get to speak to and they've definitely put in the work um, but now there's a new dawn in Kilkenny and District League. New chairman brings new fixture secretaries, brings new remits as well and one of the new ones is that fixtures are going to be posted up quite significantly in advance of as opposed to what they previously would have. Yeah, look, I totally agree, Shane. Um, I mean, look, it's important for people to be able to plan ahead. We're very, very lucky that um, one of the old committee members, uh, Michael Coughlin, that that looked after the schoolboys' fixtures, is now looking after all the fixtures for the KNDL. And um, look, he's just very well organised, plans everything very well, uh, and it will just give every club an opportunity to, to, to look ahead and see, you know, if they have a problem with a fixture. They have plenty of time and there's there's a process in place for them to... To, to either look for a free weekend or um, look to, to move the fixture. Yeah, there's been um, overwhelmingly positive uh, feedback that I've discussed and I've discussed with various different people and various different clubs in relation to that. Do you plan to bring in any more kind of things like that? Obviously, you're only, what, five days into your tenure now as well, so you, you might have to have a meeting and discuss what way the lease can improve or sit down with clubs as well and get their thoughts on things. But um, what would your thought process be in... in in bringing things in for this season or would you be looking to kind of back end it towards the end of the season? Yeah, I, I think Shane, look, we, the, the season is is well and truly underway so it's going to be very difficult to make any major changes. Um, look, I think the committee, I'm very lucky there's some very good people on, on this new committee. We, we are short a few members. Uh, but um, I feel that um, probably this season we'll have to let things run the most important thing is is we plan to have a clear the air meeting with all clubs 
um, because I think every club out there has a voice uh, and we're very prepared to listen to every everything uh, we want to hear what, what people think about the league how we can improve it I think everyone would agree that perhaps the standard of soccer uh, has been fallen in Kilkenny probably more due to the fact that Kilkenny City is you know uh, the, the team has, has, has been gone now for 2008 2008 it's a long long time uh, so I think that's the remit. We want to clear the air session with the clubs, formulate a plan for the future uh, and, and look to build uh, the, the, the standard of football and improve it in, in Kilkenny as a whole. And you discussed the registration fees, just briefly touched upon it. Where does that line now? We know that the, the fees were being raised. They were capped, I believe, at around €950. Euro. This was a raise from the €600, €650 euro fee that clubs would have previously had to pay. What, what's the, the landscape on that at the moment? Well, uh, we're due to have our own meeting just, just to finalise the fees, but I, I think um, what we're going to do is we're going to just reverse the, the new uh, implementation of these fees. We're going to reverse it back to what the fees were in the past uh, and then have a better plan for, for next season so that all clubs will get sufficient notice. I think fees do have to go up because um, we're, we're fully aware that, that, that the county doesn't operate on fresh air. Uh, it it yeah. needs some money coming in, uh, but also uh, it has to be fair. Uh, a lot of clubs have, have gone through COVID. A lot of clubs have been financially under pressure, um, and and we need to we need to look at that and see what clubs can afford. Even something like match balls and having to have them every game, and you're losing them. I remember we were out playing, and the team was playing with a cornfield behind them, and some of my strikers weren't hitting the target that day, so <laughs> we lost a few balls to the cornfield. Uh, one of the points of contention that when we were speaking with, with clubs and managers and different people of various different teams about this new implementation of the, the fees that were such a bone of contention for a lot of people was there wasn't, it wasn't clear and identifiable where the funds were being allocated to or what that goes towards. Would you, I know you're only five days into it, but would you have any kind of information in regards to where those funds go to? Uh, to, to be honest with you, we're just getting a handle at the minute yeah. on, on where we are with bank accounts uh, and stuff. So uh, it's too early to say that. But but I, I can speak on behalf of, say, Callan United. And yeah. I think what is very, very important is when you charge a registration fee, um, uh, you know, in this case, an affiliation fee, clubs must be aware, uh, certainly our own people were aware, that the, the fees must cover the running costs of the club. Um, and I think that will definitely be once we get a handle on what it costs to run the KNDL. That's where you can make your. That's where we can make a decision and see are we are we near it? Do we need to increase it, decrease it? <laughs> More than likely, it'll be increasing it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> until we know all the hidden costs, um, as you say, match balls. You know, we try and uh, in Callan, you know, if somebody loses a match ball. That's a registration fee. That that is the way we we look at things there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's seventy euros. It's a lot of money. Uh, you you came into the district league as well as along with the dawn of a new league, uh, the women's league coming into Kilkenny. It was previously in Carlow, which had a lot of Kilkenny teams participate in it. Now there's been an uptake in Kilkenny uh, teams registering a, a a junior ladies team. Um, how has that been going? We know that we're only in the infancy of it as well, but it seems like it's a positive step in the right direction especially considering a lot of Kilkenny players have gone on to play with like of Wexford and so forth yeah definitely Shane I think the, the women's league um, 
is, is only going to grow in the future. Um, and, and I think uh, certainly I can speak for Callan that we, we we put a lot of time and energy into the, the girls' side of it. Um, we, we've had a, a very successful team. Um, got to the, the last year, the, the under-15s made the, the SFAI semi-final, uh, got to the regional finals. Um, so, yeah, look, the, the K&D will be no different. I, you know, I think it's an area that we can we can really build on. Certainly, and then obviously Ireland getting to the World Cup as well will no doubt galvanise a lot of ladies out there and want to get out and play soccer. Definitely, definitely. I mean, look, we, we, we wish the Irish team well. And look, I think uh, I saw it myself in, in the ladies' Euros. Um, it was, you know, great to see the football Um took me back a bit to my, <laughs> my younger days you know there wasn't so much rolling around the pitch you know women were going out there just just trying to play soccer um that the way it should be played in the purest of forms uh, we're seeing a lot of interest and exciting developments within clubs in Kilkenny as well obviously freebooters are now in the throes of doing up their new pitch Highview have after putting out an amazing pitch and had a lovely day in regards to that your own Callan United as you said Evergreen getting another pitch as well But so there is some good developments happening within Kilkenny soccer as well as opposed to people thinking it might be just all doom and gloom That's there are positive things happening within the clubs yeah lots of positive things Shane uh, and I think it's important that um, you know I'd like to see in the KNDL you know that we have a, a PRO person uh, that can actually you know, talk about what's going on in the champion league. that, yeah. champion the, these causes because, you know, there are a lot of good things, and the KNDL isn't about Evergreen and Freebooters only. You know, they're two of the strongest clubs because they're they're in the city here, but it's great to see teams like Highview getting a fantastic facility over there. Um, you know, ourselves and Callum, we're we're trying to build something uh, a bit bigger. I know there's lots of Thomastown recently of. Uh, in the last couple of years have, have invested a lot in their pitches so uh, it, it's all looking positive it's it's now trying to get a game plan for everybody to work together a bit more and hopefully this committee can can bring bring clubs together a bit more and give them all a voice yeah from premier to division one division two division three as well we noticed that some clubs always you're always going to get that they come and go as well but hopefully we'll have more clubs coming into the division because some of the divisions are are, are quite light in regards to numbers yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it, it's probably um, my biggest complaint as somebody that sat looking in on the committee that some of these leagues are, are too small. Um, when you're asking a guy to pay his registration fee every season and he's looking at perhaps 10, 12 league matches, it, it, it's not enough. I know you can throw a few cups in, but um, you, you, you'd like to be in a position where there's at least 12, 14 teams in a, in a league. Yeah, um, you're looking at the Premier. I just checked. Uh, there, there's seven in that. There is six, I believe, in Division One. Uh, there's eight in Division Two and five in Division Three, currently. Yeah. Look, I, I don't see that there's a need for that many leagues. You know, we we could have tidied those up, and perhaps next year we we might be looking at a, a two, a two team uh, or a two. Oh wow! Yeah, structure. that completely. Uh, increase the number of games for, for teams as well as uh, and as you say get, paying your registration for you getting a bang for your bucket almost D- definitely um, look I think it's, it's very important that, that, that uh, anyone that's committing in their own free time you know we're all volunteers whether we be at club level player level we've all got jobs so uh, look you want to you want to give value for money and uh, look we haven't worked out yet exactly 
what the format will be we have to discuss that but that's something personally I'd like to see that there's there's there I think it will breed more competition in, mm. in leagues there will be teams that will struggle to start with but uh, as time goes on and you know what you're up against um, look we all know in the Premier League there's a two-tier structure there are the top teams and the weaker teams but at the end of the day they all need to be there to make up the the, the the Premier League So will there be uh, I'm not su- suggesting that you're going to look at this more so than you look at the bigger teams but a, a, a fo- massive focus on the teams that are say in Division 3 in Division 2 as well looking at their plates as a, as a club because St John's have been going my own club we've been going for a long long time um, just various different clubs that are in these bottom divisions would you imagine that they're going to get a, as much focus as the other clubs? Yeah, look, I'd like to see that because we're we're all we're all part of the league. Whether you've just got one junior team or you have a whole range of schoolboys and schoolgirls teams, um, look, we're all together in this, uh, and we just want to if if we can find a format that improves the standard of soccer in Kilkenny, improves the standard of the leagues. That's what I would challenge the the current committee to. To, to produce this season and you mentioned we as well you mentioned the current committee you'll be joined by the likes of uh, Michael Coughlin who's going to have the, the task of being fixer secretary <laughs> we both say that with a smile on our face because that is not a a, 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 a thankful task a, at all uh, Gary Marr who I know as well from Evergreen he's going to be on the committee and you'll be joined by a few other people I believe yeah that's right look we're, we're very lucky we, we have Pascal Bergen uh, is going to be our treasurer uh, hugely experienced man with, with Evergreen uh, we also have Keith Renwick from uh, Dean Celtic. Uh, again, he, he's been around a long time, has huge experience. And you can tell uh, by the facilities out there as well. Like you know, it's good to have these people that have been involved in successful clubs in setting up an infrastructure in clubs, setting up or helping re-establish an infrastructure within the district league. D- definitely, Shane. Yeah, yeah. And also, look, we have got Paul Butler is coming in as our registrar as well, uh, and and temporarily. Uh, from the old committee Bernie Egan has stayed on as our child welfare officer until uh, we find somebody new so um, yeah look I think there's a good range of people at the minute um, good experience um, I know there's two two men from Evergreen but um, look they've overseen a lot of development recently Freebooters have seen development Callan's seen development so I think the, the key thing is between all of us we've all seen developments at our own clubs and, and that's what we want to try and promote at the, the KNDL yeah, we're looking forward to it. You mentioned that you might have another meeting coming up soon and then a clear the air meeting as well. And we'd love to keep in contact with you here in Scoreline as well, even if it's just giving out results and, and, and that kind of thing. And no doubt you'll be in here as well doing the draw for the Casey Lorber Calma Cup Shield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no no problem, Shane. We'll be, we'll be here. And look, I think it's very, very important. Communication is hugely important. Uh, and perhaps at times in the KNDL, sometimes that broke down a little bit between the clubs and, and, and the committees. Uh, and we'd like to to try and keep the communication open and give everyone a, a voice. Well, we look forward to your tenure anyway, Rob, and uh, thanks very much for coming in and chatting with us here on Scoreline. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Shane, for having me. Rob Higton there, the new Kilkenny and District League chairperson. You're going to be able to hear that interview later on as well on Scoreline Extra. All our interviews from the weekend will be going up on scoreline.ie. There's lots more still to come here as well, so don't go anywhere. With KCLR's own Brendan Hennessy and now Gaelic Bingo's own Brendan Hennessy because he will be presenting Gaelic Bingo every Thursday night, um, an initiative by Carla GA to try and raise funds for clubs and the county board. Brendan, how did you get involved in this? Um, 
Well, because I'm involved in broadcasting the matches and I'd be friendly with everybody involved in the clubs and the county board and the committee that they set up, uh, who I know you've been speaking to a few of them tonight, Robbie, um, asked me what I get on board and do it. And I was only too delighted to do it because over the years I have been involved in fundraisers for clubs as far as West Kilkenny and up the country and different things. But I thought it was a great initiative. And uh, Bernard Horahan and Paul and Jim and Chairman Jim Bulger and Pierre Ogerdile asked me to be interested in doing it. So I'd only come along to try and help the clubs and help the county board. We know you predominantly for your brilliant commentaries, I must say. Um, but you're also a presenter, you do a lot of MCing. Is this something different to maybe what you've done before? Uh, no, not really. I've done... Um I've done a lot of television work and I've been in front of the camera it's a little bit more difficult because people can see if you make a blunder on the radio you get away with you know this you get away with making a blunder on the radio no one will see it they might hear it but um, I'm in front of a few thousand people now calling the numbers and it's responsible enough because it works in a way that uh, it's digital and the numbers come up uh, as they do in bingo and you know you've got to get it right because to be honest, you love your hurling, you're a Mukalima and you love your Gaelic football and um, people love their bingo, you know, and the way we love hurling and football and rugby and soccer, uh, there's people out there, uh, I won't say only women, there's a lot of men play bingo as well and there's people that play in parish halls around the country, but they're kind of seasoned campaigners and if you don't call the numbers the way they want them, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> so I have to be careful. Is the great thing about this, Brendan, the fact that if you want to do it on your own at home, you can do it, or as mentioned here tonight at the Talbot Hotel at the launch of it, if you want to put it up on the television in the pub with a group of people, you can do it. So it's really kind of, you know... It's an initiative that helps everybody. Yeah, online, Robbie, is brilliant. And you could put it up in a local pub. You could uh, put it up in your house of a group of people around and purchase your, your book online. And uh, you're paid online. So if you win, you're, you're, you're contacted. And um, you'll know you're a winner. And in actual fact, because it's done via Zoom, uh, if you're actually playing, I can actually say, have we got the winner there? And whoever's winning, for instance, you're living in Muckalee, you can say, yeah, Robbie Dolan here in Muckalee. Brendan, I checked on the line, checked there. Well done, Robbie, you won £2,000. What would you like to do with that? No, you don't have to tell me, but, you know, you can have a little bit of fun with it as well. And when people check in on the night, we can say hello to some of them as well. And, you know, while it's been promoted by Carla County Board and the clubs, and the clubs get their, their benefit from it as well, um, there is bingo players all over the world. And I know the time zones can be different, as I mentioned tonight, but uh, when word of mouth gets out and when it's spread on social media, you know, you could have people on holiday or people that are residing in the likes of Benidorm, Lanzarote, uh, some parts of Asia, wherever people live in warmer climates, they're sitting at home in their apartment at night time, they want to do something, uh, they can spend a few bob, buy a bingo book, and if they win, it's in their bank account the following day, so it's, it's, it's really good. And sometimes, Brendan, unfortunately, there's just a sort of a culture in Ireland that when there's new ideas, maybe we tend to knock them down before we give them a chance to breed. Um, but do you feel as though, obviously, we were here tonight with the club representatives, that there's an air of positivity about this particular idea? Yeah, I think there is. And, um, you know, Carlo's a small area and you will have a small bit of uh, negativity towards things in, 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 you know, a small town's big talk is the old cliche. But I think the positivity tonight is fantastic. The most important thing is if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work well, you know, there's no one going to be any great loss. It's not costing the clubs anything. The county board are kind of the, the main organisers, uh, as you heard tonight. But I, it's 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 a win-win situation for clubs getting involved. And and if it works, which I firmly believe it will work, um, it will have to be promoted by the clubs and the people to get them out there. But uh, it's a win-win situation for everybody if it works. But it has to be given a chance, and people have to get behind it. And word of mouth is brilliant. Social media is brilliant. But um, you know, if all the clubs uh, push it. It will be terrific, and I think they will. And everybody here tonight, there was a great sense of positivity here in the Talbot Hotel. You were at the Asia Games recently, Brendan. For people that don't know, what are they and how much did you enjoy them? 
I thought it was fantastic. It's it's not my first time out there, Robbie. I, I got the job in 2017. It was held in Thailand that year, 2018 Thailand. 2019, it was in Malaysia. And uh, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it was cancelled. But um, I took over from a great man. Michal Amorhertik was the, the, the man who looked after all the announcements and the commentaries. So I got the gig uh, for 2017. I still have it. And I had a fantastic time. And uh, it was really, really good. The standard of football, hurling and camogie was second to none. Uh, obviously, we're scaled back a small bit this year because of the Chinese teams and... Uh, some of the teams weren't allowed because there's still COVID restrictions in some parts of uh, Southeast Asia but uh, next year is going to be the 25th anniversary uh, it will be announced in January where the Asia Games will take place uh, next year the chances are that it could be back in Malaysia it could be Thailand and that side of Asia because of some of the political situations and COVID is not going away as such so just for such a big event uh, to be organised they have to be very positive and where uh, it's going to be set out so we will know in two months time three months time where the venue will be and uh, just to answer your question it was absolutely fantastic and it was great to see so many people I met a few players from Carlo uh, that were there Jack Murphy Mount Leinster Rangers was uh, involved he was playing for Thailand he's teaching out there at the moment he was fantastic he got to the football semi-final and he did very well in the hurling also uh, there's a few of the Kikenny lads out there and, and uh, Camogie and the uh, Sean but I think the star of the show for me was a young lady called Maria Delahunty from Waterford she's down from Abbeyside or Dungarvan she played a little bit of football with Wexford Youths as well I think she was capped for the Republic of Ireland but uh, as good a Gaelic footballer as I've ever seen in the Asia Games and I think she banged in 13 or 14 goals over the week uh, so if she comes back home a name to keep an eye out for but uh, a lot of these young people have great careers in Southeast Asia working in Singapore Thailand a lot of teachers a lot of occupation therapists physiotherapists but the great thing about it is uh, there's a great story in Cambodia there's a chap from Cork called Connor Wall and he introduced uh, the GA in Cambodia a few years back and he has a lot of native Cambodians playing Gaelic football and hurling and I can tell you there's two lads on his hurling team out there and if they come back they wouldn't be out place for Kilkenny in the middle of the field or for Carroll on the John McDonough Cup it's brilliant what these people are doing and uh, also a teacher from Bennett's Bridge with Vietnam and uh, Saigon our GA team out there and Vietnam Celts and you know there's lots of brilliant teams there's great work going on and what a lot of people don't know is the Asia County Board is actually the biggest county board in the GA so you know that's equivalent to you and I jumping on a plane in Dublin on Saturday morning and flying to New York six hours away to play a match that's what the lads from Korea have to do to fly up to Malaysia and so on and so forth but uh, it's a it's a brilliant brilliant uh, organised event and I'm looking forward to 2023 already and I'm sure also you're looking forward to the provincial championships across KCLR in the coming weeks and months we'll have Camogie ladies football and the hurling and football also with Carol and Kilkenny teams involved how much are you looking forward to that and um, have you an eye on a particular team Palatine with a great win last week of course as did Clonmore yeah Pal were terrific Clonmore were brilliant Fenner were a little bit unlucky I know Shamrocks it was away for the Kilkenny County final but Shamrocks uh, have won and you know there's a there's a story we know it's their 50th year and they've won five in a row and for Clonmore they're celebrating 75 years now they have Straffan on Saturday week and I give them every chance in the Junior Lancer Championship uh, I think Palatine have a great chance people are rating them off and saying that Port Arlington are favourites but you know there's lots of favourites bow out at the club championship and there's been lots of surprises but the most important thing is Pal won their first game in the history of the club in the Leinster Club Championship and it's brilliant they're a great young team and um, I hope to go well, you know, I do get a bit of stick because I'm best over here in Greg Cullen and, and lads have slagged me shouting for Port Arndon, but if Port Arndon win, I move a job, and if Pal win, I'm still in a job, and I go to Crown Park, so that's the way, that's the way I look at it as well, but, um, you know, the Kilkenny club teams will always give us a terrific run, as you know, and uh, I hope Shamrocks can go all the way this year to run for Arsenal last year, Harry Ruddle as a name will never leave me, but uh, in fairness to Harry, he scored the, the goal at the time, but... Um, 
they were the team to beat in Kilkenny this year. Nobody could beat them. And uh, in fairness to the village, they got to the final. But Shamrocks are Shamrocks. And I know Skjok Fosh, Dino and Ron Eddie Scally, I know a few of the Blacks and Whites lads, uh, going to go well in Dan's Fort and Thomastown. I mean, we're two cracking games at the weekend, you know, and all the games across Carlick and Kenny over the last number of weeks have been fantastic. And the Camogie is holding its own as well, so not to frighten Martin Quilty. I'm not going to take back that job. Quilty be shouting his head off there as well. Uh, we're going to be busy and it's going to shorten the winter. And uh, I think the way things are going in Carlick and Kenny, we might have to cancel the FIFA World Cup because we're going to be busy over the next few weeks. We certainly will. Brilliant stuff as always, Brendan. Good chatting to you and I'll chat to you again too. Thanks, Robbie. And uh, just on your own, man, Paddo Flinder, these Mukali lads are taking over. We certainly are. I'm with Carlo football captain Dara Foley at the launch of the Carlo GA Gaelic Bingo. Dara, before we get into the football talk, um, initiatives like this, how important are they to raise funds for clubs and for Carlo GA? Oh, they're absolutely huge, you know. Uh, I suppose the fact that this fundraiser is all under the one banner and the clubs and county teams can benefit from it is only a, is only a big plus for me, really. Um, you know, I suppose rising costs and everything at the moment is a, is a big worry for everyone, but, uh, you know, county teams... We, we really benefit from these kind of fundraisers whereas like for gear and, and all the kind of training things that we need so hopefully it's a big success and there's a great crowd here tonight at the Talbot Hotel for the launch of it does it go to show that everyone rose in behind when there's kind of a common goal in place for Carlo GA oh, absolutely the clubs are fantastic you know and Carlo GA would be in big bother only for the clubs that we have you know everyone's being very supportive of our clubs and you know it's a, it is it's a huge plus that we're all rolling in behind this initiative and for your own club, Dara, um, semi-final in the Intermediate Championship this year, uh, how would you assess the season on a club scene? Were you happy enough with it? Maybe, you know, so close to promotion, I suppose, and making the final, but ultimately, were you happy enough with how the season unfolded? Yeah, we were. We, uh, I suppose the start of the year, we were probably tipped for one of the teams to get relegated out of the Intermediate, just with the age profile of our team, but we got on a bit of a roll, and we got to the semi-final, we topped our group, which was, which was huge for us um, this year, so... Credit to all our lads down here, you know, they're hanging in there and keeping the club going. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we can go one step further next year. And just to take a look back on the year with Carlo as well, obviously a frustrating league campaign, I suppose, plagued by injuries and a large turnover of players. But going into the Leinster Championship and then the Talisman Cup, some really good performances at home against Tipperary and Westmead. Does that kind of lead into a positive going into 2023? Uh, yeah, no, it does. It, it was really positive going into the year. We're, um, you know, it was a difficult start of the year with the league campaign, as you, as you touched on there, with all the injuries and that. And we had a huge turnover of players last year. A lot of lads retired and that. But lads are building on nicely now for next year. Really excited to get going again. And, uh, you know, Division 4 is really up, uh, open playing field next year. Like, you don't have the likes of Cavan or Tipperary in it. So we'll be hoping to kick on and, and, uh, and push on and try to get out of it. And the Leinster Championship draw against Wicklow, looking forward to that as well, having a real cut at the Leinster Championship. Yeah, it's a, it's a great draw. It's a great draw for probably, Wicklow are probably saying the same thing. You know, it's a local derby and it, it, that always brings a little bit of extra something to it as well. So we'll focus on the league first and see where that takes us and then we'll, we'll take it from there. And finally, Dara, for yourself, 31 now, um, you mentioned there a couple of times that maybe you're looking at your, your own future in that, but are you looking forward to 2023 um, kind of as a leader and, and as ex- an experienced player in the panel? And also, you know, as, there's a lot of younger members involved, I suppose, and really kind of you know, developing through with them and having a proper run at the league and the championship. Yeah, I suppose, because it was past 30, I suppose, you, you assess everything at the end of every year and you see whether you can still contribute and the way you want it to, to the playing side of things. And, you know, this year I felt kind of probably as fit as I've ever been. So, 
lads are keeping me young in there as well, which is great. They're all young lads as well, and we you know it's a great bit of spirit in there in Cromadry. So yeah, we, it, they definitely do bring me along with them. So uh, yeah, I'm just taking it game by game now, and hopefully, hopefully we'll have a successful year anyway. Well, fingers crossed you do have a successful year, and I'm sure we'll be chatting to you soon again, Dar. Thanks very much. With Carlo GA Chairman Jim so. Bulger and Carlo GA PRO Ger Dial at the launch of Gaelic Bingo. Um, go to you first, Ger. A great launch here tonight at the Talbot Hotel. Um, real positive vibes about it. Absolutely, yeah. We were very happy with the turnout, uh, packed room. Uh, everyone's very positive, very interesting questions being asked, but all in the constructive type of questions, just to clarify what uh, way I was going to work and things like that. So hugely positive uh, launch here tonight and a great turnout, and uh, I think it bodes well for the future for the for the uh, venture now, this fundraiser of Gaelic Bingo, that we are um, fairly confident can be a great money spender for both clubs and the county. And it's a win-win for everyone, isn't it? It is. Uh, as someone said tonight, it's a no-brainer, how, for certainly for clubs. How could they turn down an opportunity where they don't have to put up any prize money, they don't have to fund any websites or any platforms or pay any uh, expenses, uh, take, or not, take any risks? They just get a cohort of people within their club to play the game and uh, they reap the rewards. Then 40% of every, for every book they sell, uh, €10 Euro per book. If they sell 100 books at €10, Euro, that's for €400 Euro a week to make. That's 20000 a year, and that's only... You know, a minimum. A lot of people buy two books, which is fifteen euro. So you could even make more. And so you know, I hope the clubs look at it that way. You know, because it's on online, there's a certain amount of uh, trepidation there from some people who, who uh, are concerned about you know the the technical side of it. But it's like anything. Once you know how to do it, or you're shown how to do it, it's it's straightforward and uh, it'll run itself. Then afterwards, once people get used to it it'll, it'll be nothing to them like everything these days online and uh, it's well within people's um, ability to use the systems they're all well tested and used elsewhere already and we know they work very well and they're very efficient and, and user friendly for all ages you know and Jim has the feedback that you've been getting mostly positive too oh yeah very positive um, people are looking forward to this um, we've we met the clubs previously earlier in the year and uh, I suppose we planted a seed at that stage, so we've we've had a, I suppose to go through a, a lot of different hoops to to get where we are, and now we're satisfied that we're where we need to be, and the clubs are back in and very enthusiastic about it. So all positive, yeah. You've obviously taken a taken your time to kind of launch this initiative, and you've dotted the i's and crossed the t's, as they'd say. But are there any concerns at all at your end that maybe the particularly at the start will be a few teething problems, or do you think you're in a really good place now to start um, on Thursday coming? Yeah, well, I think we're in a good place to start. And uh, look, with anything new, there might be a teething problem or two. With it, you know, at the beginning, but uh, we're confident we have the supports there to to uh, iron out any issues that may arise. And uh, we're we think this could be very successful for us, and hope it will be. And I believe it will be, and I believe the clubs will buy into this in a big way. And Jerry, you had the Barrowside Challenge as a fundraising um, initiative last year as well. How important is it to be proactive as a, as a county board to kind of constantly help raise funds? Because as Jim said tonight um, in his speech to all the different club representatives here, there's a lot of funding going into different clubs from different areas that maybe Carlo GA doesn't have at the moment. So everyone has to run behind it, don't they? Absolutely. Like The cost of running clubs and county boards these days is huge. And um, we have a facility in, in Fenne which is... Uh, you know, a fantastic facility and it's been used non-stop 
all, all through the year. But we, we know it, it, it's lacking in a few things like the, the quality of the dressing rooms and so on aren't as, as good as we'd like them to be. So we'd love to invest more money in that and that'll enhance the experience of our players who use the, the facilities out there. And there's lots of other things we, we can spend money on very productively and usefully, which will benefit our players and our supporters, you know, uh, providing possibly, you know, a, a cover out in, in Fenna for people, um, the spectators come to watch the games. So it's all going to be good for uh, all the GA community in Carlo. You'd mentioned the Barrowside Challenge. Like, that was a once-off um, thing and uh, it was very successful and got great support but the, the beauty of the Gaelic bingo is it's the recurring stream of income for both the clubs and the county board and once it's up and running and we're hoping this will run for years to come you know clubs can go out and say to their bank or wherever if they want to b- borrow money we have a stream of income coming in every week and we can you know service a debt or service a loan or whatever it is and it gives should give clubs great comfort to know that they have this money coming in every week you know and it, all it takes is a bit of effort initially I think to get it up and running and to run itself afterwards Jim a lot of clubs are interested in this, in this not just inside the GA or just not just inside Carlo GA but also outside of it too at the moment it's limited to Carlo GA clubs if I'm correct and maybe you're looking to expand going forward yeah that, that's the intention that what we're doing now at present is we want to establish it with the local clubs and uh, after a certain period of time and I suppose sales will dictate we will then expand it to see you know what we can realise from other sources outside the county so it's it, but it will ultimately benefit Carlo GA. Uh, you know, and that's what it's all about, I suppose. And Brendan Hennessy's on board, obviously, as the bingo caller. Um, you're very happy with that, I suppose. Oh yeah, Brendan. Brendan is uh, Brendan's a great man in front of a mic, as you're well aware of. And uh, he'll do great. Yeah, he'll do he'll do a great job for us. And uh, he's well used to that space. And uh, we're delighted to have him on board. I think we add a lot of value to it on our behalf. So we're really looking forward to him doing the calling. I might even tune in myself rather than play it remotely, as they say, you know, which you can buy a ticket and not play the game and still still win, you know, which is great. And finally, Jim, very briefly, we're obviously talking about the launch of Gaelic Bingo tonight, but Carlo Club's doing really well. Um, Clonmore and, of course, Palatine in the Leinster Championships. Uh, only bodes well for, I spoke to Niall Carew and Dara Foley as well, only bodes well for, obviously, St. Mons are going into the Leinster Hurling Championships as well, along with Burn Rangers. And things like that can really help improve both the hurling and football setups in their county-wise. Yeah, we, we were quite happy with the way that our senior uh, footballers finished off this year. And, and uh, this is another shot in the arm that we've our senior and junior champions uh, you know off the off the mark uh, and commiserations to Fene who um, uh, luckily came out the wrong side of a, of a result on, on Saturday uh, and I may add and a great win for uh, Mulnavat as well in Kilkenny which which uh, I saw them playing in a couple of years well, three or four years ago in the Leinster Intermediate Final were an excellent team and uh, I think they will go well in the Intermediate Championship as well Well lads thanks very much for speaking to me today and the best of luck with uh, Gaelic Bingo Thanks very much Robbie thank you Thanks, Robbie, and best of luck to all our clubs in the Leicester Club. Thank you. I'm with Clonmore GA Chairman uh, James Dyle at the launch of the Carlo GA Gaelic Bingo. Um, James, initiatives like this, 40% of all funds are going to the club. Clubs, how important are they um, to continue to fundraise for clubs? 
this is a very important uh, fundraiser for us uh, particularly we have a lot of uh, jobs out there still to do and like all our clubs trying to develop trying to keep uh, so many juveniles so many juvenile girls now as well so facilities now are have to be up to scratch so all fundraisers are important since the pandemic uh, lahos have, have gone up and down but uh, this could be another constant uh, constant payer every week into the club uh, hitting another uh, target of, of people people like to play bingo the bingo halls are sort of finished up now or winding down a bit so we see this as a great initiative for our club and also for Carlow County Board as well to get much needed funds in as, as well we obviously champion um, girls and women in sport, as you do, as the GA does generally. But one thing that you mentioned there, maybe that's not spotted, because there are so many girls playing, which is just a great thing, there's no negative at all. But there's also an added cost because there's more members in that. Is that something that you've noticed as the kind of development of women's GA has gone? There's, there has been that little bit of an extra cost, and initiatives like this do help with that too. Yeah, there definitely has. The more people you have coming through your gate, the more cost you have. The more lights you have to turn on, the more power you need, everything. You know, more equipment and everything. But it's a cost well worth paying out to have all juvenile girls and boys playing as many as possible. The more come through the gate, obviously it's better. But it does. Your, your question, what was asked was, you know, is it, much, is it more costly? It is. You know, in one word it is. Like, you know, and that's, you know, but it's great. It has its benefits as well. Certainly huge benefits and it really is great. Uh, speaking of great, a brilliant county final victory against Lachlan Bridge. Um, obviously the first game ended in a, in a draw after extra time, very low scoring affair, seven points each I think. But for the whole club to win the junior county title, what did it mean? Uh, it was fantastic on the day uh, maybe the first day we didn't do ourselves justice but uh, I thought the second day we came out and we played the football that we had been trying to play all year uh, it was a fantastic day um, we, we also won the Junior C on the same day again, beating O'Hanoran so we've been trying to win the, the uh, in the Junior A level we got relegated last year so we, our aim was to bounce straight back up we've done that but on the Junior C also we, were, we, we have been in the last two finals trying to win, trying to get up into our second team into Junior B, which we find is a, a, be a huge advantage to the club playing a higher standard of football. So we were delighted. It was 1994 since we won. We won that year, we won the intermediate and the junior football that year. We hadn't won anything at adult level since, any championship since. So it was great to do the double again on, on, on Saturday. You know. And obviously it was great to do the double, but also for the club moving forward, not just for the, the here and now, you know, you mentioned there going straight back down. We know how hard it is to get out at junior level, particularly in any county, um, in any sport, whether it be hurling or football. And also the junior C team, you mentioned making a couple of finals there, and sometimes that can be disheartened. But was it really important for both sides to almost win when they got back to that stage this year for the development of the teams now, but also going into the future also? Uh, certainly it was because like I said here after being relegated last year we, it was a bit harsh two teams came down from intermediate last year so for the whole development of the club it was huge atmosphere when we came back to the town that evening uh, we went to the schools we went to the Hackerstown School Banny Connell School so it was a huge atmosphere and a huge boost uh, we had just won the under 15s uh, had won on the Thursday night our minors had won on the, on the Monday night so we had four cups on that day uh, to celebrate and it was a huge huge uh, benefit to the club and will be for years to come I think and a huge benefit of course has been that first round Leinster Championship game we brought you that game live on KCLR last weekend a brilliant victory against Grattanoga Netwatch Cullen Park um, how much would a Leinster run mean to the whole club too I mean it's, there's something a bit unique about going into the provincial competitions and it's something a bit kind of special about it in the sense that maybe it's not done too often for most clubs 
Yeah, like, I mean, there's not too many Carlow clubs have won Leinster finals or got to Leinster finals, Leinster semi finals. So we're one step away from a, a, a match. Uh, getting into a semi-final uh, so it's huge for us we, we would love to have a run we'd love to have a run for uh, in behalf of Carlo same with Palantine maybe they can add on to their great win against St. Pat's last week so it'll be fantastic for the for the club it's, 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 it's something different probably the shackles are off now a little bit as regards trying to win the county the county final the shackles are off the lads are freedom to play a bit, to play their football the way we can and we're looking forward to every match we're looking really looking forward and we're, we are going to give it one hell of a, of a goal to, to try win this uh, to stay in this competition as long as we can I'm sure you will but you mentioned there maybe that you know the shackles are off and there's such a release of emotion for any club after they win a county final particularly for Clonmore because it was under such great circumstances and big celebrations afterwards of course while the shackles are off is there ever a sort of a worry that maybe the edge is a bit lost that you've achieved your goal for a year and now there's a lot more to come and sometimes you can lose focus uh, that's possible like you know I mean you can lose focus but I think we, we, we regrouped we had the week off um, you know coming into the Grattan No game we had the full weekend off so we regrouped there we got the lads ailing bodies back into the field and I think we going from what I've seen at the Grattan Oak match and the trainings before it and the training we had over the, uh, the last night or two as well I think we're, we're fairly well focused and I, I think the lads are determined to, to stay in this competition as long as we can and if they are to say that they're going to have to beat Straffan in the next round, that's another home tie. Um, tough opponents, how do teams prepare for Leinster opponents? Because again, it's a bit different in the sense that you'd obviously be more familiar with, familiar with county opponents. But for games like this, you just have to concentrate on your own team. Yeah, you have to concentrate on your own team, your own game. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, you try maybe find out a bit of information about the opposition. It's hard. Uh, we did play Straffan earlier in the year, but uh, practice games, we were missing a few, they were missing a few. It was a long time. It was six months, or well, it was five months ago now. So uh, you can't really judge that. You, you, like, you have to look at the, the, the Kildare County Champions. So they'll be tough. I mean, Carlo was playing Kildare in the morning. We, we know what, uh, what would happen or what we'd expect to happen bar that day of you years ago but um, you know so it's very hard you just have to uh, focus on your own game and bring your game to it try to find out a little bit about the opposition if you can but don't we won't be uh, uh, focusing on them we'll focus on our own game Home advantage again for that one, probably looking like it's in Netwatch Cullen Park, but I don't think that's confirmed yet. Is that really important in Leinster? Maybe not just the fact that you are at home and more familiar surroundings, but also less travel. Yeah, yeah, less preparation. Uh, Grattan Og would have had two hours travelling on a bus uh, down the other day. Like I mean, we were uh, 25 minutes in the road into our own uh, into our own county grounds, which is great. It was an honour to play in there all times, especially when you're representing your county. It's a huge honour, and uh, we're delighted to get the two games at home. I, I think actually, if we win, we could be home again, but that's for another day. But uh, we, we're uh, we're uh, delighted to have all our games um, uh, 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 at home because. We haven't won that much in, in recent years and to keep winning and if we can just keep winning in Dr. Cullen Park we find it a huge benefit to our young team. Our team is very young and this experience in Dr. Cullen Park we think will stand to them in uh, years to come. And finally James before I let you go 75th anniversary celebrations for Clonmore this year a run the Leinster Championship after winning the Junior County title and obviously the Junior C County title on top of that also very special year for the club. Yeah, a great year, great year. Uh, winning the championships, obviously, like to win them every year, but it's, it was really special to win it on our 75th. You know, it couldn't have worked out any better. If you had it planned it, you know, I mean, to win it on your 75th, win two championships and a bit of a run in Leinster, 
what more do you want? Certainly, I don't want more off you either, James. Thanks very much for speaking no to me. No Thank you. I'm with Carlo Football Manager Niall Carew at the launch of the Carlo Gaelic Bingo. Uh, Niall, first of all, just a past comment on the Carlo Gaelic Bingo. How great initiative is this for all clubs to raise money, and for Carlo GA also? Yeah, it's a superb initiative in fairness. Um, I think Jim Bulger and uh, all the county board officials, Sean Campion, etc., um, have come up with a brilliant idea, a brilliant concept. Uh, I know a few clubs do it around the country, uh, but to have, I suppose, clubs getting financially rewarded as well, as well as all the county teams, it's, it's a great initiative. And you know better than most the work that goes on in the background by the county board, Jim, or Niles. Does this go to show how much work is done by Jim Bulger, by Jardile, and countless other people as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Jim, Jerry, and Sean, and, and the rest of the county board. We don't want to leave anyone out to, to work tirelessly there. Um, and again, to be coming up with these new initiatives is, is a testament of that. Um, but look, unfortunately, to run your teams, you need plenty of finance. And um, you know, Carlow's a small county, so they have to, I suppose, reinvent themselves every year to, to try and entice people to, I suppose, put their hands in their pockets. Um, but yeah, it's a great, great idea. And just to reflect on last year, Niall, obviously you went into the Talshan Cup, a brilliant victory against Tipperary and a really valiant performance in the defeat to eventual winners, Westmeath, of course. How would you reflect on the season? Do you think the Talshan Cup added that bit of an extra edge and kind of left you on a positive despite that defeat? Yeah, Robbie, look, I suppose the big thing for us was that we knew we were improving in the league uh, all through it. We were, you know, we blooded, I suppose... uh, the guts of 18 players in the National League which is unheard of especially from a small county like ourselves uh, playing pool so the big thing for us then was to make sure that uh, we built on that then in the Talchin Cup and, and we were very lucky then to get the Tipperary win I won't say very lucky um, you know I, I thought we, we performed very well uh, but it, it was great that we we knew we were making progress all year and I suppose the icing to cake was to get that Tipperary result so it kind of it was a reward for the players and management uh, and, and county board and all the clubs that have put in a big effort um, this year so I suppose the West meeting then we were unlucky you know we probably got back to two points about eight minutes to go um, and just you know we had a half a chance of a goal missed that then went down and got a couple of scores then and um, that finished it but look as I said we were, we were there we were competing and that's all we wanted and how important is it to maybe leave it on a positive footnote going into the new year? Because there seems to be a real sort of, you know, a good vibe and a positivity around Carlo football at the moment, particularly off the back of those last two games, as I mentioned. Yeah, no, you're right, Rob. And uh, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, we're hoping, and at the moment, uh, the, the response of getting new players in is, is unbelievable. And what we're going to do is we're going to give them about a 10-week trial um, and hopefully they can step up to to play it for inter-county football because inter-county football isn't for everyone. You might be good enough, but you mightn't have the application, you mightn't have the commitment, you mightn't have the time. So all of them things um, will play out themselves and it'll just give players eight or ten weeks to establish themselves, whereas if you're brought in and had three or four trials, for me that's only ticking the box. So it's great. I, I'm very grateful of the county board to give me that opportunity to give the lads the eight or ten week uh, period to, to get themselves in in proper shape for the Burn Cup. And looking forward now to 2023, it was a tough league campaign. A lot of the reason for that, of course, was that we were plagued with injuries, particularly at the start of that campaign. 
do you really want to attack that league campaign coming in now with the Division 4 head on and try and get a fully fit squad capable for that first round league game yeah absolutely and, and bring that as well with your experienced players you know Kieran Moore and Stefan coming back in this year which is a big plus um, you know Aaron Amond is back in again um, so you know he was with the Hurlers for a few years but he wants to try his lot into the football this year so there really a couple of players that we're, we're thinking of um, you have Brendan from um, Brendan Kelly from Ratfilly who probably was one of the most outstanding players this year um, he was unbelievable I thought so yeah look we, we have an influx of players and many others like a good few boys in from Tin Ryland as well so it's very exciting really exciting and uh, yeah we're hoping to hit the ground running and the draw for the first round of the Leinster Championship, of course, was meant very recently too. You've always mentioned, you spoke on our Clash Act podcast with Eddie Scully, Eddie Scully about your preference for kind of um, championship football over league football. Would you maintain that and how much are you looking forward now to having maybe a proper run at the Leinster Championship too? Yeah, really looking forward to it now. Um, look, Wicklow, again, will fancy themselves more than ourselves and um, you know, the good thing is that you'd have a crack at Kildare after that. So um, that's, that's a good um, incentive for everyone. And looking at the club side of things, Niall Palatine and Clonmore going far now or not win their first round Leinster games um, last weekend. How good is that for Carlo football as well as for yourself as a senior manager? Absolutely. Look, it was great to see um, Pal putting themselves on the map and getting their, their first Leinster victory as well, which is very important. It's a really young team in Palatine. Uh, you know, I worked there for a year. Really, really good club. Um, they really want their teams to do well. And I know when I was there as manager in 2018, um, just we wanted for nothing to prepare a team. Uh, they were so professional, and and I could see why they're back uh, winning county titles again and competing. And um, a really exciting young team. Uh, it mightn't be this year with the Leinster club, but going forward, I think uh, Pal have a massive future. And so have a lot of Carroll teams. Yeah, Rogue have young lads coming through as well. Ratfilly have young lads coming through. Tin Ryden, right the young enough team. So, you know, and I'd say you could have thrown a blanket in the six or seven teams this year who was going to win the championship. Um, so I, I think it's exciting, but that's good for Carroll football that had spread, that has not just a Rogue winning three or four in a row, or Pal winning two or three, or Ratfilly. That, every team now will feel they could win a championship and that'll give them confidence then coming into the county team that has not just their rogue or pal or ratfilly that's it's it's you know we're good enough to be here as well so no it's a great spread and they're a great bunch of players to work with super bunch of players um yeah it's very exciting and finally Niall just before I let you go on a personal level how much are you enjoying it because you seem to have really um kind of you know harnessed the culture of football in Carlow and really invested in it a lot yeah, look, it's, it's great. Look, as I said, the county board led by Jim Bulger and Sean Campion there, they've been excellent. Uh, like we've wanted for nothing. Um, and, you know, you can't ask for any more. And all the clubs are right behind us. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're very positive and everyone in Carroll are very realistic. And they knew we were a very young team um, and they kept encouraging players to come in. And then we had a temporary victory and ran Westmead close. So we're hoping then to bring the step on again next year. Thanks very much, Niall. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon enough. Oh, well, Rob, thank you. I'm with Palatine GA Chairman Nicky Parrell at the launch of Carlo GA Gaelic Bingo. Um, Nicky, initiatives like this, how important are they to raise funds for the clubs? Oh, sure, look, they're vitally important. I mean, you know, fundraising is always a very hard station. And, uh, I mean, I think this initiative, there's not a huge risk for the clubs. The, the county is taking on board all the risks, I think. So I think if, um, you know, the, the county can get behind this, it could be massive. Do you think every club has rode in behind it? Um, how is your own club kind of? What's the, the soundings about it when it came to be? 
Yeah, well, I suppose, look, we, we have our own lottoes, you know, uh, out in Palatine. That's our lifeblood. Um, so I suppose, look, coming here tonight, you were kind of wondering how, how could we make this fit in. But I think you're probably going to target a different audience altogether. So I think after being here tonight now and talking to a lot of people, um, there's probably an audience that's out there in our community that we probably aren't targeting at the moment. So we may get the best, best of both worlds over yet. You're in the midst of a Leinster Championship run, of course, defeating St. Patrick's of Wicklow um, last weekend in Netwatch Cullen Park on Saturday night. The reason being because you won the county championship for the first time in six years. How special and how, I suppose, unexpected was that? Because even though you do have a really good and a young set of players, um, you weren't one of the favourites with most people before a ball was thrown in. But do you really feel that as the championship grew on that you built a lot, up a lot of momentum? Yeah, like we built huge momentum, I suppose, from the start in the Carlow Championship. We were we were underdogs from the start, and um, in every match we played in, I think we were underdogs. So I mean, you know, we got we got through the semi final, probably a bit of luck in that to, to win it, and got to a final. And I thought we played very well in the final, but you know, we left the door open slightly at the end. So it gave us huge confidence going into the St Pat's match. And I suppose after watching St Pat's in the Wicklow County Final, we felt even you know with the few players that we were missing from the county final that we had a, every chance of beating them um, again they were they were favorites to beat us but the lads were very confident and you know they were very determined to to make history because we never got past the first round of the Leinster championship and just to go back on that county championship run Nicky um, we will chat about Leinster of course but unbeaten in the group and then a very special victory on a Saturday evening against the county champions Raffili and then that was followed up obviously by beating your neighbours Tin Ryland there's nothing like winning a county title but particularly the way you did it did that make it maybe that extra bit special? Oh absolutely because I suppose you know again at the start of the year a lot of people weren't expecting us to be in the mix and you know for, for us to win you know, we hadn't won since you know 2016 and you know that's a long time for our club and we're you know we're a grown club and a very proud club and you know to win to win is just so special and you could see the emotion on every in everybody's faces and the body language at the end of the match you know it is very special i mean a county final especially to any club so i mean for us it's it's a dream come true and then that victory against St. Patrick's. How impressed were you by the team, the way they came down after that county title? Because you can see maybe over the top celebrations from time to time. I know there was a bit of a break between the final and the first round of Leinster, but to come back down and put in a performance like that, it was another special day for the club. Yeah, look, absolutely. I suppose, you look, look St. Pat's, when we went to play them, I suppose, you look, you're thinking... You know, we have the first round hoodoo over our heads again, like, you know, but the players, you know, they celebrated absolutely and, you know, they celebrated their family and friends and more than title too and that they had, a, you know, four or five good days, but they all came back together. They were very determined to to put on a, a special show, you know, I suppose, look, the RT cameras were there, it probably doesn't come into many people's minds, bar the supporters, but the players themselves were very, very determined to win this match and they knew, you know, I suppose they knew in their own hearts and souls that they could win it. And Port Arlington now in the quarter-final preparations, of course, and all eyes are on that game. Another tough opponent. Look, absolutely, I suppose. Again, look, they'll be the bookies' favourites to, to win, not alone uh, against Paladine, but I suppose they're one of the favourites for Leinster. But again, look, we have we have a home match on, on Sunday week at 3pm, and um, I know the lads will give 100% to, to try and win this. And we're, look, we're well capable of... If we get down the straight in the last 10 minutes, if we're still, down, if we're still in the game, I think we we can push them all the way over the line. Do you find home advantage at Netwatch Cullen Park is important considering all of your championship games were there, first round of the Leinster Championship campaign was there, uh, familiar surroundings for everybody? 
Yeah, it's it's very it's very important because you you know your routine has been the very same from your first championship match to to the county final to your first round of Leinster, and you know you know the pitch, you know the setup, you know the dressing rooms, you know the stands, you know you have your home support. So I think it's very very important. So it it, it does give you an extra an extra edge in in these matches. And finally, Nicky, now um, just to reflect on the year so far and maybe moving forward. For Palatine, it's been really unique. And for yourself, as a Kilkenny man, how much have you kind of engrossed yourself within the club, obviously being chairman? Oh, look, I, I arrived up in, in Carlow, you know, in, in the 1990s, and my, my own son, I suppose, I got involved with, with Palatine when my own son started playing. You know, he's a member of the panel there, but he, he's been involved with Palatine, you know, nearly 18 years of his life. And, and so I suppose myself, I got involved as a juvenile chairman for, for five or six years and then got, you know, got pushed on to, to the chairman's job. And I'm very, very proud. I mean, I was <clears throat> very lucky for, um, I suppose, when I arrived, we were very embraced by the community, by the club. Um, I mean, they were absolutely more than welcoming. And I mean, I, I really got involved so much with the club. Like, it's my heart and soul. And, you know, I'm very proud to be and very lucky to be the chairman of Palatine, especially when you win a county championship. Well, Nicky, the best of luck in the Leinster quarterfinal, and thanks very much for speaking to us and for giving up your time. Robbie, as ever, a pleasure. Thanks very much. And with the chairman and the chief coordinator of Gaelic Bingo, Paul Brennan and Bernard Horan, we'll go to the chief first, Paul, um, the launch of it tonight here at the Talbot Hotel. Um, Gaelic Bingo, could you just give our listeners a bit of an insight into what it is? Well, I suppose what Gaelic Bingo is, is it's a platform designed by Carlo G.A., um, as a fundraising vehicle for the clubs and the county going forward, um, it'll be a weekly bingo that'll be held on a Thursday night. Um, Brendan Hennessy will be presenting it. And uh, basically, I suppose, the county when the tickets are sold, the clubs are going to get something from it and the county board is going to get something uh, from it. And more importantly, the people that are playing the bingo hopefully will get something from it, but we'll also get a couple of hours entertainment on a cold winter's night on a Thursday. This is the thing, I suppose. The people are playing the bingo, it's a win-win. Whether you lose or not, you're going to get some enjoyment out of it or you might make some money. Um, for the clubs, obviously, they get 40% of the cut and the money goes to the county board too. So for everyone involved in Carlo GA, and even if you're not too interested in it, you're within the county, I mean, it's a great initiative. Well, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, may I add, it's the first time this has been done in the country. It's the, in fairness to Jim and Jim Bulger and, and, and Bernard Horahan, they took, uh, they took up this, you know what I mean? It's the very first, uh, this funder, something like this hasn't been done before. So, um, we probably, there'll probably be more to follow in our path, but it's a first for Carlo, it's a first for Ireland, and we're hoping that'll be a huge success. Bernard, you're chairman of this operation. Of course, we talked to you a fair bit on KCLR not too long ago. We had a live outside broadcast unit, which is on a Thailand style. But for now, on the Gaelic bingo side of things, could you give our listeners some sort of an insight into how this idea came to be? Yeah, well, in fairness, it was Paul and Jim uh, Bulger who brought the idea to myself. And um, look at me being GEA and a, a pro GEA Carloman, um, I said, as a business perspective, it's a no-brainer, to be honest. Um, just to reiterate what Paul said there, like it's it's win-win for the clubs, it's win-win for the county. I think we're blessed to have Brendan Hennessy on board. I think he's one of the best uh, presenters in the country, if not beyond that. Um, and to be honest, I'm really, really excited um, to get the show going on the 10th of November and we're looking forward to it. And what has the feedback been like from people involved in clubs? There seems to be a, a lot of positivity around this. Yeah, look, from any organisation, to be honest, and I've been on committees a long, long time at this stage, it's very hard to motivate people and get them to, you know, rally around to fundraise. But 
It's a no-risk fundraiser, and I think that's the beauty about it. You know, all it is is click on a link, buy a book, and off you go. And as Paul mentioned earlier on, it's not just buying the tickets, it's an event. So we'll have to make it as attractive as we can. I think we've hit the nail in the head with it, and uh, I think it's going to roll out for a long, long time. Bernard said there, Paul, that there's no risk attached to it at all. Why is that the case? Because basically the county board are shouldering the risk. It's the, 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 the strength in numbers. So you have every club in Carlow. So that, that allows us to give them a generous uh, percentage of the profits. The county board are the ones here that are shouldering all the risk. And I suppose um, they're, they need the clubs to come on board. They need the clubs to support it, which no doubt they will. And um, once that's done, everyone will be happy. You know, the county board hopefully will have money to develop their facilities out in Fenna, and clubs will have money to develop um, whatever they need to do in the clubs. We had the likes of the Barside Challenge last year during COVID times um, to raise funds and that. Do you, do you feel as though that kind of proactive nature of Carlo GA is really important to raise funds and that you're not kind of just resting on your laurels as such? Well, as I said to you again, Carlo GA are the first um, county board to launch an initiative like this. It's a fundraising platform for all clubs within Carlo and who knows um, beyond Carlo in, in, in months and years to come. So... Carlo are showing great initiative in doing it, and I'm 100% sure this is, this is going to be a great success for them. You know what I mean? Wish them all the best. And Bernard, finally, before I let the two of you go, lads, um, could you just remind us again, when is this starting, who's involved with it, and uh, how can people get play? Yeah, look, at the moment, it's all the clubs in Carlo, so it is. Um, if you keep an eye out on the GaelicBingo.e uh, Facebook page, which is important, if people can share and like that, would be brilliant. And uh, we're going to go live on the 10th of November, Thursday, at 8 o'clock on the button. So hopefully people can start tuning in maybe from half seven on in that evening. Well, Bernard Paul, thanks very much for speaking to me, and uh, well done your roles as Chair in Chief. Cheers, thanks Thank you very much. much. Thank you. I'm with Carlo Hurling Manager Tom Mullally at the launch of Gaelic Bingo. Tom, before we get into the hurling side of things, just um, fundraising initiatives like this, how important are they for the clubs and for the county, of course? Sure, they're huge. I mean, like, like there's no no club or county can can survive without finances. So, and it's it, it's trying to find innovative ways of kind of um of of getting that in, in into the account so that it, it can be it can be cut to, kind of put to good use, I suppose, really. And this is this is an excellent um, initiative by by Carlo, and hopefully it succeeds and drives forward. And as someone who's on the in, inside of an intercounty setup at the moment, have you found that the kind of funding needed to drive an intercounty side, particularly a senior team, has gone up and up as the years have gone by? I suppose it's it's like inflation. It's it, it, it's definitely not getting any cheaper anyway. Um, and I suppose hurls, slitters, footballs, whatever you, ca- you want to take it. it, it, it electricity, the lights in Fenner are can not getting any cheaper to kind of run and stuff that way. So yeah, it's it, it's become it's it's definitely kind of it, it's it's trying to keep it in check is probably the, probably the biggest part of it. Like you know. And just looking back on last year, um, Tom, the Joe McDonough Cup campaign first, a really positive campaign. It was unfortunate that you didn't make the final, of course, that final round victory um, against Offaly, but Kerry and Antrim did make it to the final. But would you look back on that with a lot of positivity, despite the fact you didn't make the decider? And regrets too, yeah, absolutely. A lot of positivity, but um, we'd, we'd, I, I think as a group and as a panel, we'd probably have, have regrets, um, particularly with our performance in the Kerry match last year. Uh, but look, at, I mean, you'd, you'd hope to kind of live and learn from those things. And um, but overall, the, the Joe Mac competition in general, we, we performed quite well. I think to be fair to the group, it's just, it's just the one day caught us out severely. Like you know, is that something you'll reiterate to your panel, kind of to hark back to that Kerry game? That consistency is key in the Joe McDonough Cup, and one slip up can cost you very heavily. 
not something that we'll reiterate in 2023 but I, I, I think the general level of performance if you're to compete at the top table there has to be a consistency there and that's probably something that we're striving for um, we seem to hit hit highs and lows a, a little bit over the course of, of the last two seasons and if we can get that consistency level at, at the right level it, it should help help quite substantially and looking forward to 2023 now is the aim simply to go and win the Joe McDonough Cup I don't think there's any aims quite yet um, it'll be to get together and, and see where we're at get our, our, our conditioning right get our fitness levels right and see see at, at, at what level that we're ready to perform at um, if we can figure out what that level is and will it put us in a position then to compete we would hope to compete um, that's that's essentially why why we want lads taken to the pitch and then I suppose it'll be down to performance levels after that and if, if that puts us in the picture where we can compete to win something then we would be glad to do so how do you attack the league campaign as a management team, Tom? Is it about kind of getting lads ready for the Joe McDonough Cup or is it more important than that? Is it about really attacking it and trying to gain promotion from Division 2A? Yeah, I think, look, once, once we start playing games, we're, we're kind of playing to kind of compete and, and, and to kind of get the best out of ourselves. So, like, the league is, is a competition. Joe Mac is a competition. Like, once we're in them, we've got a chance to compete in them and win. And as, once we begin them, we'll see where, where form is at. And if that form is, is, is good enough, we'll be competing at the high end of it if, and it'll show that the work is done if, if, if we have enough work to get kind of, kind of done to get there as such like if, if, if that makes sense um, so look once, once we get going once we've, once we've our pre-season done and we're back in January back in 2023 we'll, we'll know where form is at and we'll take it from there You stepped into the role at a tough time for the whole country obviously in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic how have you found kind of that transition out of the pandemic back to more normal sort of um, a hurling championship set on a hurling league as well calendar wise and also just generally for yourself how much have you enjoyed it as the years have gone on now as manager of Carlo? It's hugely enjoyable. Like, there's no question about that. Like sport, like like we all love Gaelic games. Like we all love, like for for me in particular, it's, it's hurling. That's why um, I'm I'm involved with Carlo. You mean and stuff like that, and I think all everybody that's involved with us loves the game. You mean and stuff like that. So it, it and I suppose really we can want to show that enjoyment once once you take to the pitch and the pride that's that's there that's evident in the, in the clubs of Carlo to kind of represent Carlo. Um, and yeah, it's a challenge, but. I suppose that's half the reason why you're in it too. You mean and stuff like that. Like if it was, if it wasn't a challenge and it wasn't wasn't something there that, that kind of brought the best out of out of us individually and collectively, um, we could, wouldn't be at it. You mean and it gives us an opportunity to kind of showcase what commitment level we we can bring to it and also what sacrifice is needed. You mean it, it's probably it requires a lot in the modern game. You mean but that's where the enjoyment is too. You know. Have you found also that there's a lot of goodwill, not just obviously within your own panel and your own management team, but the entire Carlo really want to get behind this team and see them constantly improve? Yeah, that's like any team. I think once once the players showcase their their commitment to it and, and, and their pride in it, I think that that generally brings brings the support behind that. But that starts like like to me, the players are are by far the most important part of this this whole this this whole setup and things that way. But. That brings brings an element of responsibility, and and players have to have to shoulder that too. And in 2023, we'll see exactly where 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 we're at on that front. And we're speaking here on Thursday night at the Talbot Hotel, but on Saturday, Burn Rangers are out in the first round of the Leinster Junior Championship against Mount Melick. St Mullins also in a couple of weeks' time will be playing in the Leinster Senior Championship. Um, would progression for both of those teams kind of help improve the sport in the county too? Because we see it with the football side of things, Palatine and Clonmore winning. There seems to be a real buzz around uh, football in Carlow. Do you think hurling victories can do likewise? 
Ah, for any club, like the Leinster competition is, is, is fantastic. I mean, and if, 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 if both clubs can get, can get across the line, it'll be brilliant. I mean, and it'll, it'll keep players hurling, keep players in form, and that's, that'll suit us down to the ground too, like, you know. And finally, Tom, before I let you go, could you give our listeners, maybe they haven't obviously been involved at an elite team or an elite setup or an inter-county side, um, a bit of an insight into when will your pre-season start, how does it go, do you guys start in the gym, or when does all the things kind of kick into place now? Oh, we kind of we're starting. I mean, we're probably behind behind the times. Um, Nile has Nile has the footballers back a couple of weeks, so the footballers are kind of well set up. So if if you're looking for kind of an elite, an elite set up, maybe you better talk to Nile about it. Um, us, for us though, we're we're getting back together now. The lads will be assessed and, and, and get their programs, and and we'll, we'll we'll begin preparation for 2023. And so some lads are in good shape already, and we'll just assess the rest and, and take it from there. Well, Tom, thanks very much for speaking to me, and the best of luck in 2023. Thanks, William. Thanks very much. Obviously, Camogie, team sport, and you want to win as a team. But to be acknowledged individually, does that mean a lot as well? Um, yeah, no, look, it does mean a lot to me. I suppose I this year in particular, I worked really, really hard, and it's just it's really nice to be recognised. It can only naturally be. Looking back on the year, what was it that helped the team improve so much this year compared to, say, to 2021? Yeah, look, I suppose last year, Shane, we were we only got the All Ireland semi final and we lost by a point. So we just kinda said at the beginning of the year, um, our main aim was to get back to an All Ireland final and so we did. So I suppose we had a tough year as a group. We had a lot of lows and I think that kinda brought us together stronger. So that was the main thing. We kinda we had so much lows throughout the year and we always kinda we always knew we could overcome those lows by being there for one another. So our management team were brilliant as well. Uh, they just stuck by us all the way and they just knew we had huge potential and so we did. And you, you mentioned the management team there. No doubt you were probably delighted when Brian, because there was a bit of speculation as well after the final, what would happen in regards to that, even linked with the uh, Kilkenny Senior Hurling job also. Were you just absolutely thrilled when he announced that he was going to be ratified for another year? Yeah, no, we were absolutely delighted that the lads were going to stay on. We have a really good relationship with the men, so it was brilliant. And Angela Downey and Breda Holmes as well, our background team, they've been phenomenal. So I suppose it's important for Kilkenny Camogie that we kind of go as the same group again for 2023. And uh, looking back, say that semi-final victory over Galway was a very special day in Coal Park. Do you think that match like stood to you ahead of the final? If you get me, having just such a special game like that. Yeah, um, I, it was the most physical match I've ever played in my whole life. I don't think I even touched the ball. It was so physical, and yeah, I really think that really uh, stood to us that match and. We kind of we didn't get too ahead of ourselves as well. We knew we had a job to do against Cork, so yeah, no, definitely the semi final stood to us. It was a very physical match, and the final then itself looked like it may have been going Cork's way until it turned on its head at near the end. At that stage of the year and in a game of that magnitude, how do you go about turning around a late deficit like he did? Yeah, I know a few times I looked up the scoreboard and I was like, oh, no, not again. But uh, no, in fairness, we stuck at it and the boys brought Sophie O'Dwyer on with 
10-15 minutes to go and sure she got the break she got the goal and that kind of won it for us the goal and only for Sophie so fair play to her but Sophie had been going very well in training so the lads knew that there was something that she could give and you know it worked out well bringing her on and then you know inevitably when you win a final and you get a homecoming and uh, we were there for that homecoming we were actually filming the thing and it was a very special day at the courthouse it, it felt like just the amount of people there the songs that were sung the Rose of Moonkind by uh, Brian's wife how memorable was it to be welcomed home by so many supporters Oh my god it was it was just amazing just to see the people of Kilkenny just there and for some like People of Kilkenny are always so good at supporting us, but yeah, we were completely thrown by, by the amount of support. I actually um, listened to an interview by Lester Ryan. He said he spent four hours at the homecoming just chatting to everyone and he really enjoyed it. So, you know, I suppose it's important for the young girls of Kilkenny to see, um, look up at us and say, look, if they work hard, that they could be in our um, footsteps someday. So it was just really good for us and the people at Kilkenny to see our achievement. Do you feel then that your legacy as a team will go beyond trophies and will actually help inspire maybe young girls to play Camogie because you've been so successful? Like it's great being able to look in the history books seeing Kilkenny won the All-Ireland in this year and this year and this year but the magnitude of what that means like Camogie really seems to be in ascendancy in, in terms of you look at the, those county final days James Stevens, Carrick Shock and Thomastown coming away with victories but there just seemed to be so many people rallying behind it then you had the Legends game in O'Loughlin's there recently uh, and that's all stemming from the effort that's been put in by the panel Yeah, no, look even we ran for a fundraiser we ran Camogie camps around the county and God, we had like over a hundred young girls um, in each camp. So it just goes to show you that there are young girls out there that want to keep playing. And we all, we all visited the schools around Kilkenny as well. And, you know, there is a huge interest. But I suppose us doing well and winning matches, it's kind of motivating those young girls. And hopefully they're all looking at us, wanting to be us and in our footsteps someday. So hopefully... Um, we done them proud. And you certainly did, and there's no doubt about that. How enjoyable was the game anyway, Wicklow Kenny Legends there last Sunday? Or last oh, Saturday, so, I believe. Yeah, it was so enjoyable. Uh, I felt sorry for Brian. Anytime he got the ball, we were all running for him. So, <laughs> But no, it was it was brilliant crack. Uh, it, was, it was a good battle between Tommy and Grace. And then I was on JJ. I don't think I touched the ball. <laughs> He's still flying it. And, you know, it was great to see Jackie Turl and... John Marr of Muckley, like all these legends, so it was it was great and fair play to them for supporting the women, like it means so much to us. Um, so we were delighted and it was a huge success. Yeah, it seemed like great crack, but Mr. Dowlin seemed to have been taking it fairly serious. He had a few choice words for referees after the game. <laughs> yeah, sure, Brian. Yeah, Brian's competitive. <laughs> we learn from the best, but yeah, no, um, Brian was a great hurler and sure he he done tremendous work but O'Loughlin's all the underage so he's just he's a good man and yeah he, he seemed to really enjoy the match as much as we did and what's the plans now uh, leading up to the to the All-Stars do you have any kind of uh, tentative speech or anything written out 
no, God, no. Uh, I, I'm actually getting married in three weeks' time, Shane, so that's my main focus. So <laughs> I'll worry about the All-Stars after that. <laughs> well, very best of luck with the marriage and, of course, the All-Star. Miriam, it's a yeah. pleasure getting to speak with you and following your journey all last year and the year before and the year before and we'll continue to do so here. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks so much, Shane. Bye. Thank you. Best of luck. Uh, Miriam Walsh getting married, as she stated. Can not happen to a nicer person. Delighted for her and hopefully we'll be even more proud of her. Not that we aren't already ahead of the All-Stars. John Scott, an interesting game, but he came through that quarter-final against Raharney. You're now into your first Leinster semi-final. Sum up your thoughts on the game. What was in atrocious conditions here this afternoon? Yeah, look, I just thought, as I said to the girls before the match, like, it's just going to come down to who wants to win it the most and it's going to be a battle and it's going to be work rate, work rate, work rate. And look, that's what it came down to. Kind of. In the end, we kind of lost our shape a little bit in the second half. But I thought, look, we put in a decent effort in the first half, especially against the wind. I thought we were outstanding, like, actually, in the first half. Probably a little bit better than we were in the second half. But look, they dug deep and got over the line. You were certainly the dominant team for the last 10 to 15 minutes, but that first few minutes into the first quarter, you looked a bit nervy, but in fairness, it was your first ever Leinster competitive game, and Raharney are not a bad team, and they came down and they really tore into you in the early stages, but you got to grips with them pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, look, uh, and as I said, Raharney, they're winning, I think, eight in a row up in Westmead, which is actually massive, and a great great achievement as well to, to do all that. And they, didn't, they stuck into us all right for the first, say, 10, 15 minutes, but kind of once we got to grip, we got or kind of we held our positions, and I thought myself then they actually kind of brought back somebody, even against the wind, and it kind of suited us a little bit better. We got more space around the midfield, and look, we drove on from there and got over the as I said, got over the line in the in the first half. I thought we were exceptionally good. Quiva Moran's goal in the first half really helped you going in with that lead at half time, and it was a lead that you probably deserved. But to play so well against the breeze, were you happy going in at half time? Uh, yeah, we were actually happy going in, but no, and I always say it to the girls. A win doesn't win anything for you. You still have to put in the work rate. And look, we I thought now the first say ten minutes of the first second half we played well, but then I think we kind of lost our shape around the half forward line midfield and got them back into it again. And we finished strong at thought as well in the last ten minutes. But look, that's it. That's what winter hurling is all about. You certainly did finish strong, and your backs were immense today. But you mentioned a word, and that was work rate. Right from the word go, from your goalkeeper right up to the subs, even that you brought in, it was immense the whole game. Oh yeah, great work rate. Now, and you can even say right at the very end there. I think three of the younger girls, like Anna Bergen, Jenna Larkin. Uh, Emily Smith, all 16, 17 year olds, and they battled in that corner there for the actually for the last few minutes there. They battled fierce well, like in the kept the ball in there for I'd say nearly five minutes on his own, which was great to see. Like, are you disappointed that maybe you didn't put more scores, especially goals, with the chances that you had up on the scoreboard? Yeah, we probably am a little bit disappointed. All right, look, we didn't take the score, some of the scores. We drove a few bad ways as well, like. But look, these in the conditions that we're in, it. I just I take the well, it was one eleven or one twelve that we scored. It's as good we got us over the line. Well, you have a smile on your face now, but it does mean that you're into the semi-final against St. Bridges of Leash. And it's a home draw for yourself, so you're going to be back here again in three weeks' time. Yeah, which is great, actually. It's great to get a home draw. And look, St. Bridges, I think I, I actually watched them there in, in a, an old YouTube video there during the week. And they're actually, you know, exceptionally good team, I think. Uh, I think they're an amalgamation of two or three teams. Uh, look, they're going to take beating. I just think that they're, they actually are very strong. So, look, we'll... we'll We'll actually go. We're taking the week off. We're going to regroup because you had three weeks, and there's a few of the girls driving up and down there for, especially with the county final and all. And they're after um, just um, 
they're after kind of that been after putting in a big effort there between driving up and down from Dublin and Cork and stuff like that. So we're taking this week off and we'll kind of just regroup our next Friday night and look, we'll we'll focus on St Bridges now in three weeks' time. I'm going to ask you a question and you're probably going to give me the, the wrong answer even that we're looking for that you mightn't have been looking forward but realistically when you were after winning the county final was it just a one game or were you actually looking at the draw and saying well actually we have a chance of getting to the Leinster final this year? Yeah, well i put it this way the day of the county final that was our main objective was to win this year the intermediate county final no matter what it was taken we were actually going to win it uh, when we got through it we were in the dressing room and we were just talking and we said look it's just great to represent your club, but represent your county at the same time. So we just said to the girls, look, it's a great effort to go on. And wouldn't it be great to win an All-Ireland medal or a Leinster final medal with your own club mates? I just think it's a massive, especially in Camogie. I don't think that a lot of teams, Camogie teams have done it through Kilkenny. All the great Thomastown teams, I actually don't know if any of them did it. So but look, that's why I just said to the girls, and look, we'll take it from there. We'll take a game at a time and see where we go. You have an immense group of girls, but when you have two All-Star nominees on your team as well, in Neve Dealey and Michelle T, I thought Neve Dealey in particular today was excellent, but really a standout player for a player so young. I mean, Stefanon even mentioned it in commentary as well. Emma Minogue was outstanding for you as well. Ah, yeah, so much, yeah. There's, there's some engine in that girl, I tell you, and there's no end for her, like, you know, and no matter, you'll be trying to gear up going into the games and you just she just smiles at you like but you know yourself what you're going to get where there's not a thing passes by like she just and the more you hit her the more she comes back at you <laughs> uh, she's just a phenomenal bit of stuff like you know and there's, there's I, I just you can't there's no words to describe her like she's just phenomenal like well you can see that you're a happy man today why wouldn't you be you're true to the Leinster semi-final the first time in your club's history we wish you the very best of luck and well done and a great performance as well today John thanks very much Martin yeah, particularly when it went to extra time there uh, we showed great composure to create scores. I think we held them to a point um, and ran out winners by 12, I think it was. So, look, very happy overall, Tommy. Um, sticky pitch there, kind of, and the conditions maybe brought, may have brought the two teams closer. We're very happy with the results, yeah. Rhiannon Kenny, you scored the third point. Brendan said it was a sticky pitch. Was the, was the going heavy? It was, yeah. Yeah. Brendan, coming back to you for, coming back to you for a second. Did you did you feel what did you feel coming into the last when the I think the goal came on the twenty sixth minute uh, to put um Nias a point up in ordinary time. But it was a mighty come back in that last four minutes to get back that score as well. Yeah, it was Tommy. And again, look, this is the second match in a row we've been put in that situation. Um Nebri got a goal late in the game as well. I wouldn't have been worried at all to be honest with you. We believe in the group as a group. Uh, they're very composed. They know how to work out victories. Um I think it was Quiva got a fantastic score to draw the match. Um, and after that, the mom, we felt the momentum was with us. Um, so, look, obviously the goal is, is shook as a small bit. But realistically, we're a very composed team, particularly in that last 10 minutes. It's something that we spoke about all week. Brendan, you got him into the dressing room. You got him into the dressing room uh, after the draw. What did you say in the extra time? Because it was, it was magic there when they came out. You don't really need to say a whole lot when you have leaders like Kate Nolan, Tara Wilson, Kira Quirk in the dressing room. Actually, it was very calm. Um, again, we spoke about the momentum being with us getting the draw. Um, and we just asked the girls to dig deep. You know, they're, they're born winners in the club there. So they dug deep. And I think that 20 minutes was probably the best 20 minutes we've seen all year. Needs. You would agree with that, Rhiannon? I agree with that, Tommy. Um, Rhiannon, the next game, Brendan. 
Uh, we're away to the Mead Champions, Tommy, on the 19th. From August 19th. August, yeah. But at the moment, they're getting ready here, Shane, to go in to have a big meal of chips and sausages, I say, in the order of the day. <laughs> yeah, we're going to load and splash out now for the next hour or two, Tommy. Yeah, and we'll be back to the full nutrition and hydration after that, yeah. But Brendan Hayden and Rihanna Kenny, very well done on a great win today. So thanks very much, Brendan and Rihanna, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks very much, uh, Tommy. Doing stellar work as he is. Brave in the weather as many people out there certainly are. Now I'm joined by Blacks and Whites manager Eddie Scally to look back on last weekend's junior county title victory against Wine Gap. A winning scoreline of 117 to 17 points brought the first junior county title back to Blacks and Whites for the first time since 2009. Eddie, first of all, congratulations. A brilliant victory last weekend. Yeah, Robbie, thanks very much. Um, no, we're absolutely thrilled. Uh, it was, it was a, it was, I thought it was a very good game as well. I, I like, I did enjoy it. I know that sounds cracked, but uh, I did, um, and just, just allowed to come out the, the other side of it. The performance, Eddie. I've, I've spoken to you now quite a bit about your team, and character again comes into it. That period where you were six points ahead and one gap come back into it, they, they draw the game. It's level. Did you ever at any stage doubt your player? Because I certainly didn't looking on it. I just think there's something very, very unique and special about this team and, and they ploughed on from there and deservedly won the game. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say I doubted the, the lads. You wouldn't doubt them at any stage. And I had said that to you um, earlier in that week that if we were level with a team with eight or ten minutes to go, I didn't think our lads would stop. Um, obviously, Winecap, we knew they were going to have a proper patch because they're a very, very good team. And when they came at us, they came at us strong. Um, my captain took a little bit of a knock and it's took the momentum out of the game for a couple of minutes when he got treatment and once he got going again I think he got on the next ball and he drilled it over the bar and from that point you kind of sense this was ours you know um, and you know it sh- we should have probably had a goal later on in the game as well it should have been more comfortable but um, I just I just felt that was the patch that Gap had and, and they were fierce and look he hit the post if they'd put a ball in the back of the net you know it's a different it's a different outcome when you're you're talking to, to Pat instead of me and you know that's sport unfortunately but thankfully for us on the day it, it didn't go in and, and we held on Wine Gap were heavy favourites uh, amongst a lot of people to go up and promote into the intermediate ranks but obviously as I said you deservedly got the better of them on the day and you'll be playing intermediate hurling next year but was it really important in the game to stay with them and not allow them to get a run in it because that would that seemed to be the kind of team of it that you were able to manage to stay in the game and ultimately you had your spells where you took advantage of them and like I was speaking to you last week before the game when the game ebbed and flows in your good moments you seemed to make more of it than, than they did yeah it, it, it was vital because like we were looking at Wine Gap's performances earlier in the year and we felt Wine Gap were a team that didn't throw away leads very often I know in the semi-final they had a good lead up against Dixborough and Dixborough got right back into the game like we went into the dressing room I think Wine Gap were 8 or 9 points up against Dixborough and I thought that's game over because any game that I'd watched Wine Gap playing during the year or any of the other ones when Wine Gap got a lead on a team they didn't let go and, and they, they had the ability to absolutely destroy you as well players like you know in particular Emmett Landy I think is an outstanding player the young Dylan corner forward as well like they'll really punish you and we, we kind of spoke about it all week that we you know we make sure we're tight we make sure we're right in that game we, even if we fall behind we make sure we limit what damage that's done and, and again you know thankfully it, it just worked out in the day because I know how good that winding up team is and you know I, I, I'd be one of the people that'll be saying they're, they're going to be heavy favourites again next and it's, a, it's, not, it's not an easy tag to carry either and just before we move on from the game itself but the performance I suppose to you know do, do you look as a manager 
at the opposition more considering how much they were firm favourites that Wingap are obviously a very very good team or how do you balance that between looking at your own side as well ahead of a county final because there's a lot of balls I suppose that you're juggling ahead of a county final there's the occasion too um, was it a bit of a different run into it or did you just take it as a game and ultimately you had to work focus on your own team yeah well I suppose <coughs> the biggest difference in, in this game and, and lads will say to you oh it's only another game it's not like it's a county final so like even for myself that was my first county final in 22 years so you know it's a long time between drinks for me um, and, and my backroom team it's been a long time for a lot of us and, and, and of my players only four of them or five of them maybe were in a county final before so I have a panel of 30 25 lads hadn't been in a county final so the two week the weeks between the games you know, I would have loved our game to have been a week earlier. Um, our game didn't go to extra time. Wine gap stated that's number one, and number two was I had no injuries, I had no knocks, and we were ready to go. So the two weeks seemed to drag at, towards the end. Um, when you ask about looking at the opposition, we, we'd always look at the opposition, regardless of whether we're favourites or their favourites. Like we're already kind of looking at, say, the Longford team or the Westmead team. We're trying to find out about both of them in case you know which of them wins the game. That we'd have some homework done. But in Kilkenny, it's it's it is quite easy and it's very accessible to go and watch these other teams and I've got great people with me in, in the back room so before we play every match we look at the opposition and we say right you know do we know what way they're going to set up does it suit the way we set up the way they set up or do we need to adjust in some ways and then we look at their key players and we say right you know where do we get our matchups correct and you know like we made I don't know three or four positional changes but it was more to suit our game than to counteract wine gaps game we were looking at where we felt we'd get the most out of certain players now obviously we brought Aidan O'Dowd back to man mark Emmett Landy but Aidan O'Dowd's been man marking players for us all year so that's his role he's our number six he's generally centre back but if he's in a man marking job he'll play wherever the opposition's man that we want picked up is and the same with Michael Crow Maloney a full back you know Crow was centre back um, in the semi-final he ends up playing nearly in a sweeper role so we kind of you know we fixed the players to be in the positions that we want them to be in 22 years for yourself since your last county final were you nervous at all in the build up to it were you nervous during it or as you said could you just enjoy it once it actually the ball was thrown in um, I, I was I wasn't nervous I wasn't nervous for me you know I, I was nervous for the lads because I know how much work they've put in um, a lot of people had said to me you know which in some ways is, is, is nice and in other ways then it's a little bit kind of condescending you know that I got so many phone calls from people saying oh job done you got the county final well done you've done your bit you know so in one sense and they were all meant with the best of intentions in one side of my head I'm thinking you know I'm on a shot to nothing here now anyway because everyone said I've done a good job but on the other side I'm thinking you know we can't leave this behind us because I have players Niall Kennedy 37 years of age how do I call up to his house and ask him to come training again next year after losing a county final at 37 you know and there's loads of players across the field Michael Crow at full back he's travelling up and down from South Wexford to come training with us three nights a week Jamie Byrne coming home from Dublin Sam and Dara coming back from Limerick you know even Reiner like, the lads have put their lives on hold sending they all make massive sacrifices as do all club teams only one club team gets to win the county title and it wasn't that I was nervous for any other reason other than I knew how much this would hurt if we didn't get over the line and you know I know it sounds silly I felt sorry for Wenger because I know how much they're going to be hurting because they would have put a, a Trojan effort in to try and get over the line as well How key was momentum heading into that final Eddie because while you've reiterated consistently that um, your team has been progressing year in year out maybe we haven't seen that in results in the championship in particular but this year you had great victories against Emeralds and then on to the semi-final obviously against Piltown is it just a case of very small margins between last year and this year but that ultimately 
by getting those positive results you were able to get that snowball effect and that led into the final yeah I think I think last year believe it or not last year we were probably a bit more consistent and we we were just unlucky with the draw we beat Wine Gap in the first round of the championship and we would have been massive underdogs last year way bigger than this year and then the following week like we draw Mung Coyne who were just pummeling everybody and we went down and we really gave it a rattle in Munkind. There was a goal against us. I won't say dubious. Like Munkind deserved to win the game. I thought it may have been a square ball. I know we got a goal on Sunday that was questionable, but I, I've seen the video and I've seen the pictures. He was about five yards outside the square. But it, that day, Munkind beat us by four points. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, well, obviously I was utterly devastated to be beaten. But when Munkind went, went on and won in All-Ireland, the one Kilkenny and they, they gave some trouncings on their way and won the All-Ireland. I, I was thinking to myself, you know, we're not so bad. We're not too far away here. Then this year we won the Leinster League, which is a great pre-season tournament. Then we won the Paddy Cal League, which again, it's a big momentum. But when we started in the championship, we had three or four games and we were hit and miss. And I was getting worried. We'd been beaten by Sleeve Root. Martin Quilty got some great satisfaction out of slagging me on the radio here. Um, Bally Ragged had beaten us. And then, you know, we beat Kill Macau. But the, the day we played Greg Namana down in Greg, we were four or five points up. We were cruising. Greg had been going really well in the championship. And I thought, you know, this is the turning point. Next thing, Greg got a run on us. And before I knew it, we were five points down in the second minute of injury time. And we got two goals in the space of 40 seconds. And I'm telling you, when that second goal hit the back of the net and I knew the referee had nothing left to do but let one more play happen if we could keep that ball out. That win took us from bottom of our group to third in our group, set us up for, I won't say an easier tie, but it set it up for a far better tie than finishing last in your group. And from that point, we haven't looked back. We haven't lost the game. But if Paul's strike against Greg Romana had a bounced and went wide I don't know if I'd be sitting here talking to you about a county final win now it was just that just that little bit of luck and you do need that to win a championship you certainly do very fine margins did the victory become all that sweeter because he had won two trophies prior to that I mean it's been such a special year for the club it's been a great year for the club and I wouldn't say it's sweeter because of the two I, I, I would have given up both of them to win last Sunday you know it was all about last Sunday and that was something that we'd said because I know it was suggested to me with some of the calls I'd gotten that there was going to be a great celebration regardless after the game when we go home and we'll have great fun and I said it to the lads I said with all the best will in the world there won't be a great celebration if you don't win the final like we will go home and we will be gutted you know so it, it does make it nicer it, it'll make when we look back on the year when it, when the year eventually finishes and we look back and we can say with pride you know look what we achieved this year and you know it's, it's not we it's what they achieved like it's the lads that make all the sacrifices it's these lads that are sitting in on Saturday nights when their mates are out drinking it's them lads that are doing the extra runs and the extra bits that they've done themselves and I can see it in every one of them it's it's how much they're pushing themselves and that's not just 1 to 15 that's 1 to 30 like we've had I think it was 28 players have played in the championship this year so only two players haven't had a run out yet in the championship but we've a Leinster campaign hopefully that'll get them in there as well so for a small club to have 30 fellas training with me two and three nights a week they've gotten everything to deserve and I think when they look back on this year when it does eventually end they'll look back on this this will be lifelong memories Certainly will and you mentioned that Leinster campaign you're looking forward to that now I suppose but while I'm sure I mean the jubilation and joy of winning a county title will never be taken away from me are you able to relax after the game because you know the season isn't over and there's still a lot to play for you could potentially go on and win a provincial crown and dare I say it maybe even in All-Ireland in Crow Park <laughs> you're definitely able to relax because the job is done you know you've you've gone up to be intermediate and everyone will tell you that like when you're junior or intermediate it's about winning your own championship um, 
what comes next is going to be believe it or not I actually think the lads will play with a little bit more freedom now the, the, the shackles are off the big challenge for, for my lads is they're always in the shadows of uh, you know uh, there was other Blacks and Whites teams that have won championships and have done very well like one of them went and won a Leinster title so the lads are reminded of that regularly that you know, such and such a team won the Leinster title. So I know these boys will want to put their names in the history books and that's the challenge for them. For me and the management team, the pressure is 100% off. The boys themselves, they'll put pressure on themselves to try and, and go as far as they can in Leinster and, you know, I, I, I wouldn't write them off. I think um, there's going to be some big, big challenges. The team that won the All-Ireland last year, or got beaten in the All-Ireland final last year, are still junior uh, by Gibbon and Cork and, even Horswood and Wexford I went to watch them a few times they're very very strong the Dublin champions are very strong like it's it's it's, it's not a given because you win Kilkenny you automatically become favourites or second favourites but I think um, I think there's a hell of a lot of challenges between now and, and, and going there but the dream is still alive certainly is still alive and before I let you go Eddie um, that dream will start against either Westmead or Longford opposition if I'm not mistaken in a Leinster first round quarter final game um, when do preparations begin for that I'm sure celebrations are still ongoing but maybe starting to wind down a bit now uh, yeah the, the start up winding down for me on Tuesday for you well, straight away the boys the boys the boys, will, the boys the under 21s are out tomorrow they're out today or tomorrow in the under 21s um, so that'll be them back off and I'm back back at it I should say um, we'll start training again on Tuesday night um, for that and then that Leinster match will be the Westmead team and the Longford team are playing each other this weekend so we're out in two weeks time so we'll have, we'll have, we'll have loads of time to spit out any dirty petrol that's after getting into the system between you know the last week but I think it's going to be very easy to get the lads to switch on for Leinster well, congratulations once again on that victory last weekend, Eddie, and the very best luck in the Leinster Championship. Thanks a million, Robbie. Thank you. Now I'm joined by Mullen Avac, Captain Michael Malone, to reflect on last weekend's first round victory in the Leinster Intermediate Football Championship against Offaly side Brackna. Michael Edwards' side will now face Shandona in the quarter final next weekend. Michael, how are you? Yeah, all good, yeah. Uh, Michael, firstly, to go all the way back to the county final victory five months ago, I believe it was now, um, that win over Thomastown, how important was it for you to regain the county championship this year? Yeah, sure. I suppose we're a little bit stunned uh, the year before when Thomastown did, did beat us. I suppose a little bit of complacency was maybe setting in, but uh, I suppose this year we put our foot down again and just made sure it didn't happen again. But I suppose Thomastown are a good team and there are so many good teams in Kilkenny but I suppose it's kind of hard to get him for them to get t- all all their players together um, I suppose with hurling going on and that but when they do listen there's a lot of teams that can push up to us and it showed there with Thomastown two years ago And have you found that that the county championship in Kilkenny with Thomastown obviously winning it a couple of years ago you won it back this year that it is really strong at the moment football in Kilkenny and obviously on top of that the brilliant All-Ireland Junior victory yeah, it is strong. As I said, there's just so many good players. It's 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 just so hard to get them all together at once. And I suppose hurling always uh, hurling always takes the top spot with so many teams and managers, and they be always pushing players. But when you can get teams together, it is it is brilliant what you can do. And it showed this year with the junior football. Um, I suppose it was one of the better teams I've been involved with. Uh, every, everyone was top notch on the team and. There are plenty of subs that could come on, and it's just I suppose when you when you gather that group and keep them together, it's important to try and keep them going. Then, and we got the result this year in the junior foot in the junior football. Then, 
And you got the result in the junior football, but obviously, as I mentioned, you got the result in the senior club final too. That meant that you had a Leinster Championship to look forward to. How do you go about preparing for the provincial championships then? Because there is such a long break, five months, I believe, if I'm not wrong, um, without competitive football between the county final and the first round of the Leinster Championship. Is it tough to prepare for such a big game then? I know you would have had um, hurling also, but you know how, how, do, how do you spend those kind of weeks in advance of the first round of the Leinster Championship? It is hard to prepare because when the football was over, I think, as you said, it was five months ago, it was all hurling then throughout. Uh, we didn't go back doing any football until we were knocked out of the hurling championship then. Um, I suppose one positive out of it, you're, you're always going to be fit after the hurling. Uh, it's not as if you're sitting back doing nothing for the five months. So yeah, we always had fitness on our side and I suppose it's just key then for the two, three weeks we had before the first round to just try and get the ball work back in and get back up to speed in in, in that uh, situation. And that first round brought with it a 2-6-1-7 victory against Offaly side Brackna. Um, you're trailing by five points at half time in that one. I was down at the game in Callan myself. Um, how did you go about turning that game around? Because you seemed to stick in it um, even when Brackna were in control, particularly in that first half. And then you got the goal yourself before substitute um, Park and got the, the, the final goal to win by two points. Was that the key to kind of stick in it when it was going against you and then take your chances when they came in the second half? Yeah, um, I suppose in the first half, we, we weren't playing to to our ability and we knew that going in at half time. And as you said, we, we were we, we were down by five points, but we knew we, we knew we were still well in the game. So I suppose at half time, we just said, get, get things together, uh, uh, step things up, play, play the way we can. Uh, during the first half, we gave way a lot, a lot of possession, which probably would be a bit unlike us. And we just, I suppose, that them few things came right in the... In the second half for us, and as I said, when I suppose when I got the goal, door is back to a two-point game, and I think Tom Elwood got another point, and it was back to a point game, and before you know it, then you're right back into it, and I suppose we had to run the play then, so it kind of went in our favour in the end. And something that you mentioned there was your use of possession was far better in the second half than it may have been in the first half. Is that something that, as a team, and just generally in football? is really important nowadays that you use the ball, maintain kind of possession until the openings arise, which is something that you've done brilliantly in the second half, particularly for the two goals. Yeah, it is. Possession is massive in football. Um, and I, I don't know what was what was going on in the first half with us. I suppose maybe we were just pushing a bit too hard to get scores when we should have been holding up and going back and recycling. But the, the ball breaks down and then you're on the back foot straight away and it showed... Uh, I think they. I think that's how uh, they got their goal. It was uh, we gave away possession. It was straight up the field then, and uh, they got the goal and they got a couple of points. But it's just so hard when you when you have possession, everyone's pushed forward, and then the ball breaks down, and you're chasing back up the field, trying to get everyone back back behind the ball again. You were at home last weekend. You'll have home advantage again next weekend um, in that quarter final tie against Shandona. Do you find that home advantage in the Leinster Championship is important, first of all, because you're more familiar with your surroundings than your opponents would be, but also the travel element, that you don't have to travel as far as whoever you're facing? Um, yeah, I suppose like Atten, home advantage is, a, is an advantage. Uh, we probably would have played there before. The other team wouldn't have. You have the travel aspect then as well. Um, it's a lot easier to drive half an hour to game than getting on the bus three or four hours before game and heading on down. So it probably is, maybe from my own personal opinion, probably not as big as other people 
would think but it, I suppose there is definitely an advantage there it's it's nice to be on home soil and you think you get a bit more of a crowd uh, a home crowd as well when it's close to home Is there a real determination to have a proper run at the Leinster Championship this year Michael particularly after that Leinster final defeat I think it was back in 2019 by a single point at the hands of Loud Club Matic Rangers Yeah oh, it's, it, it's massive we're, we're really going for it anyway um, as I said before I suppose uh, a lot of people didn't expect us to didn't expect us to get over the game the weekend and it was a bit of a shock to them but it, it wasn't us like we were we went out there with the with the ambition to win like and we were really going for it and we we, we believed we could I suppose and it's like you, you have to you have to believe you can I suppose going into every match but uh, after the after the run we got back in 2019 it shows us as well as other um, other clubs around Kenny what, the, the ability is there like and it, it can be done so yeah and the ability is certainly there in Kilkenny and I was speaking to your manager Michael Aylward afterwards and this has got a lot of traction amongst the county and even beyond the county again the fact that he said that football in the county just isn't respected he came out with it plain and simply would you echo those sentiments as someone that was involved in that historic victory in the junior All-Ireland final in Crow Park um, as someone that is a real staunch football man and a brilliant football player I must say and I'm not just uh, saying that because you're sitting right beside me here but do you feel that there is an element of disrespect or certainly even if not disrespect a lack of care for football in Kilkenny uh, listen there's, n- there's no doubt there is um, you have uh, you have people I suppose hurling people that will give football everything as well but then you've, you've other people and I, I don't know why they've just they've just no interest in football and they've no interest in promoting it and did, did, did some there'd be some people and they're in all every club and they nearly go again it to try and uh, to try and stop it for some reason, but I I, I don't know I, I don't know what way to approach fixing it or what what you have to do. But there's no doubt about it. It, it is always put put second behind her and like and it'd be brilliant if you as I said I, I don't know how you go about it, but it'd be brilliant if you could bring it on because it'd be super for clubs and just a variety. I, I, what I love about football is it's something different to hurling. It's a bit of a break. I I, I love each each of them as much. Um, and I suppose it's as I said a bit a bit of variety, but I uh, I just don't know how you'd uh, I don't know how you'd fix the situation really. They're such brilliant football clubs. Obviously, Mun and Vat are having a, a really good period at the moment. Um, really dominant in Kilkenny over the last four or five years. But the likes of my own club, Muckalee, you have the likes of the Railyard, Thomastown, as you mentioned, and other clubs too that that um you know you don't, you wouldn't even have the chance to 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 bring up that really have harnessed football throughout different periods in in their kind of respective histories. Why do you feel as though... Like, I, I don't think there's any question about... Hurling will probably be number one in Kilkenny for a long time. Why do you feel as though there's a complete ignorance towards football and that maybe we don't use it? Say the way Kerry have used hurling recently in terms of... Yes, it's still number two in the county, but there's far more respect than love shown towards it. Do you think that there's massive potential for Kilkenny football to move forward, even if the slightest bit of interest is taken by most clubs? There is, but I say what was maybe stopping for a long time was they just saw no success on it, in it. Um, I remember when I started playing, we are in the, the National Football League and we used to be going out and we are getting, we're getting big beatings and, and that. And I suppose a lot of people just said it's a waste of time and they're getting nothing out of it but maybe when maybe when we got the, we won the junior football championship there this year and the, the run Mullivac got um, there two years in the Leinster maybe that will help things they'll see 
they'll see them. You, you might get something out of it. Like the, it's it's not a waste of time put, putting effort into it and spending that money and everything in this. So I don't know you'd you'd like to think it it bring bring it on bring it on anyway. And not to be over negative, so we'll go back to that junior All Ireland final victory. Um, a brilliant weekend for you. Won the semi final, of course, on the Friday night in Abbottstown, I believe it was, and then going up to Crow Park for that historic day and, and a historic occasion for Kilkenny GA um to lift the junior All Ireland football crown. To be involved in that, how special was it? Yeah, listen, it's like someone uh, said to me there. No matter what code or what grade um you're playing to get to play in Crow Park is something special. And uh, it tr- it truly was. And then for me to be captain, it was it's something it's something I'll never forget. Like, and uh, there's not too many people who can say they've done it. And even going out playing there, I think I don't know what crowd was there now when we were playing there, but it wasn't much. But the atmosphere was still brilliant there. Like, and I I don't know what it'd be like to play in front of a full stadium. Uh, the uh, the Kerry Dublin game was on after us, and we we were sitting watching that and. To, to say that you're out playing before them was just brilliant like it's it is something special you, you, you'll remember it for all your days Was there a real determination amongst the panel that there was an opening there to go on and make that sort of history and do you think it can be a foundation builder for this particular set of players and also going forward for the men's football team in the county? Yeah n- no definitely it can and uh, I suppose what I'd be hoping is we had we had such a good team this year uh You'd be hoping all them players would stay, stay involved. Uh, I suppose a lot of other years you'd be you'd be playing this year. You'd have so many lads. They they could be fifty percent of the team could be different next year. So hopefully, hopefully after that win, it it will keep them players on board. And uh, back to your point, I suppose about did we see the opening? Uh, we did, and I suppose that that that's what kept uh, that's what kept so many people involved this year. And they saw they had a chance to play in Crow Park and win in All Ireland. Uh, I suppose other years we were going over and back to England, it might have put people off a little bit to travelling and up early there, and you might be staying away a night and stuff, and it mightn't have suited everyone. But this year, every all the trains were side in Kilkenny. Um, we had a couple of challenge games, draw was local enough, and then we always saw it was um, we always aimed for Crow Park. That was the the big thing at the end of it, and I suppose we all believed we could get there, and it kept so many people involved. And your manager that day, of course, and the manager of the Kilkenny Junior Football Team is Christy Walsh. He told Scoreline after that victory that he believed that Kilkenny football was still a, a bit off feeling a team in Division 4 of the Allianz National Football League. Would you agree with that? Do you think that we are still a bit off that sort of level? Or do, do you feel as though maybe we need to pitch ourselves into it? Um, take some, you know, as Paul Murphy said, a member of that team, maybe take some, some beatings at the start, but ultimately it'll improve football in the county. Or where do you stand on that point? Yeah, listen. There's no doubt about it. We probably are still a little bit off it, but how do you get back in there? As you mentioned, there, do you go back in, take a beating or two, try and work it? But maybe you have to go back to first, say, start from when you're training. Like, I really think it has to be something you go back to, like the hurlers training. You can't do something that you start training maybe uh, four, four or five trains out from the first match. Or something like this. You kind of need everyone involved. Um, I, I I don't know will it ever happen or what will go. But the hurlers, they go in, they go hurling. They they don't be hurling with their club. Um, that's their training. Uh, whereas if you're if you're doing that with football, you're always trying to mix, mix and match the two of them, keep the club happy, keep the football, the football team happy. So 
it's a really hard one to to approach. I don't know what I don't know what the right answer is, but it's a pity there wasn't something just a a little bit of a step up, so more of a stepping stone that you could get back into it. It's, it's kind of hard when you have to go straight back into it, and the them beatings could come, and then would it deter a lot of people then from uh, playing again? It's it's just very hard to know, I suppose. It really is very hard to know, but we will certainly be keeping a keen eye on it um, in the months and years to come. And something that we'll also be keeping a keen eye on is your game next weekend against Shandona in the Leinster Intermediate Football Quarter Final. That's a home tie again. How much are you and the whole panel looking forward to it now, particularly off the back of that really good victory against Brackna? Yeah, no, I, I can't wait for it again. Uh, it'll be a good challenge. Uh, there's no doubt about it. We we'll, don't think we're going to walk in there and win. Uh, we, we, we never do. It's... it's I don't think there's many teams that would see that approach, um, but no. Listen, it's a massive game. Everyone's everyone's looking forward to it again. Um, there's a good buzz about uh, the. I, I suppose uh, when you're going in, in as underdogs, there's no pressure on pressure on you to perform other than the pressure we put on ourselves. Like so, I suppose it takes a lot of weight off the back off our backs, and uh, you can maybe enjoy it a bit more. I don't know what it is. It was like the, um, like back in 2019. Uh, when we got to run in Leinster uh, it was brilliant every match was a bonus and there were brilliant buzz around the parish after, after and, and even not even our parish you'd meet up people from other parishes and they'd be congratulating you and wishing the best of luck and they, they got involved there a lot of supporters that we didn't expect following us as well Like so it, it, it's good it, it's good for the whole parish and even, even further field but um, yeah no looking forward to the challenge any of the weekend and and Michael, just before I let you go, on the hurling side of things this year, a quarter-final defeat to Dixburg, but another really positive campaign. Um, are you happy with it? Do you feel as though there's room for improvement maybe to try and kick on, or is there maybe an understanding that there's some mammoth clubs in Kilkenny ultimately, and that what you're actually doing, the consistency levels of the Mullinavat hurling team is almost remarkable in its own sense? Um, yeah, listen, without doubt, we feel uh, there's uh, room to... Uh, kick on and we're all hugely disappointed uh, disappointed over that as any club every time you get knocked out in a, a senior hurling or yeah senior hurling championship in Kenny it's it's massive your year is over it's what you after the effort you have to put in for the couple of months before and it's all gone and you don't have results so we're, we're all hugely disappointed over it and uh, I suppose every team should feel that they they have the ability to go on further and it's just a stepping stone we we can't seem to get past there over the last couple of years. We get so far and uh, we just can't get past the quarterfinal. And I suppose it's just yeah, hugely disappointing for us all. Well, hopefully you won't be disappointed next weekend against Shandon and Michael. Um, Michael Malone, Mullinavat football captain. The very best of luck next weekend and thanks very much for speaking to me today. No bother, thanks very much. Now, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Dr. Siobhan O'Connor of DCU. Dr. O'Connor focuses on injury surveillance and prevention research and is also an associate professor in athletic therapy and training, is a certified athletic therapist and on top of that is the vice president of the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy. Her most recent paper examines injuries in ladies Gaelic football over the last nine years and is entitled The Cost of Injury in Ladies Gaelic Football, a nine-year analysis of the LGFA's injury fund. You can view the paper at sciencedirect.com. Dr. O'Connor, how are you? How's things? Delighted to be here. Delighted to have you on. Um, we spoke to you before about injuries and prevention for camogie players. Is this paper similar or are there substantial differences 
that you found? Yeah, um, I suppose it's similar enough in terms of obviously within um, our female sports, Gaelic sports in Ireland, there is a similar enough injury injury profile, I guess. Um, but what was really fantastic about this paper in particular was just how longitudinal it was. We were able to look at nine years worth of injury fund data, which we just don't have in our other Gaelic sports um, like Camogie. So that was really exciting to be able to look at such a longitudinal view of injuries really in this sport. And why did you decide to focus on the last nine years in particular? Yeah, so I think what we wanted to really look at was to see if we could see any trends with injury injuries in ladies' Gaelic football because we know that there are injury prevention programmes in place and have been established and are out there. And we wanted to really see, are, there be, are they effective? Are they actually reducing injuries in ladies' Gaelic football? And um, I guess what we found was that injuries actually remained pretty consistent over the past nine years in ladies' Gaelic football, which means that there wasn't a real significant increase or decrease. However, I guess the real worrying part to us was the mean cost of inflation-adjusted claims actually increased by 72%. So what that means is that the cost of the injury fund and ultimately the LGFA, um, because you know the injury fund is financed by our registration fees of LGFA members, substantially increased um, despite this lack of an increase in claim rate. So that was a big concern to us. And other than what you mentioned there, and I suppose they are the key findings, but the the obvious question that most of our listeners will want to know is, what are the most important findings from this particular set of research? Yeah, so I guess um, similar to our previous research um, that we conducted here in DCU in ladies and men's Gaelic football, lower extremity injuries are by far the most common, especially the knee, ankle and hamstring. Um, and that's been shown across all, um, all our Gaelic game sports. Um, and quite interestingly to us was that knee injuries actually accounted for more than a quarter of all claims, but 70% of all costs and are responsible for almost four and five hospitalizations. And then if we look at ACL injuries, you know, they're quite topical at the moment. They actually accounted for one in 12 claims, but they represented two thirds of the hospitalization costs. So the impact of these injuries, both financially, but also more importantly to the team and, you know, player availability to the team and, and the impact on the player, you know, in terms of pain, injury costs and, you know, just absent from sport and absent from, you know, school or college or work is quite substantial and a concern. So I guess what we really took from this paper to step back from was, OK, injuries are an issue in ladies' Gaelic football. And it's something we really need to tackle and it's something we're really excited to do next. And the title of the paper, Dr. O'Connor, of course, is The Cost of Injury in Ladies Gaelic Football. The obvious question that stems from that then is, what is the actual cost of injury in Ladies Gaelic Football? And does it go beyond the individual player or does it hamper the amount of people playing the sport even? Yeah, so the total cost, I guess, over the, the nine years that we looked at was $6.2 million, which is quite substantial. Now, when we look internationally at other sports, they'd be like, oh, that's not that much, but it is for a community sport, you know, especially when you think of this injury fund is financed by, you know, the registration fees of the members, but also if, if the player has their own private health insurance, um, it, the injury fund is actually to cover excess medical expenses. So that obviously is, um, you know, an expense to the player in terms of, they are maybe paying to their private health insurance and then excess is covered to this. So there is, you know, um, substantial claims. And if we look at the average claim, it's about €663 per person or per claim. So, you know, that is quite substantial. And I guess the big concern we have a lot of time with injury is um, we want to make sure that people are partaking in sport and exercise for for their life. Um, But we worry when someone gets injured, the biggest risk of a future injury is actually a previous one. 
we want to keep them partaking in sport. We want to get them back in sport. But when people become injured, sometimes they don't. They drop out or they don't go back or they're worried about getting injured again or, you know, they get out of the habit of exercising and all these things. So that's a big concern for us is not just the actual cost, but the cost to society, essentially, when they don't go back to sport and exercise. And we know all the, the amazing benefits of that. So it's really injuries are really impactful and preventing them is such an important factor for us to concentrate on. Is that something, the fact that some players will opt against ever returning after particularly a bad injury, I suppose, but sometimes if, if certain players are plagued by even little niggly injuries, they decide to maybe step mm-hmm. away from the sport. Is that something that's specific more to female sports people than male sports people, or is it something that you've discovered in your research that's just a kind of um, a, a thing that's associated with sport generally across the board, um, irrespective of genders? Yeah. I think it's across the board for for all sports, irrespective of genders. But I do think there is um, specific concerns that we have with um, our female sports because there is um, differences in access to medical professionals within our female sports because funding, um, you know, there there can be inequalities in funding. So for a lot of our ladies get at football um, clubs out there, for example, they won't have certified athletic therapists with their teams at every training and matches, which then does limit the... Um, their assessment, their treatment, their prevention of injuries, etc. So that that inequality in um, funding, um, you know, access to medical professionals um, like certified athletic therapists can lead um, to that issue. That may be um, it's across all community sports. Look, we know that, but it can also be worse in our female sports. So that definitely is a concern. And I think um, it's really important for us to really take a proactive approach to injury. We know we can prevent injuries. Um, you know, we can know we can prevent you know, or reduce the risk of sustaining an injury. We can't prevent everything, of course. But we know we have programs out there that are able to reduce them. But we just need to encourage people to do them. And I think that's the really important next step. That's an interesting point because a lot of sports people, and I suppose whether they be casual, elite sports people, whoever it may be, always associate injuries maybe with a, a bit of bad luck. And I suppose maybe you know you could attach that to it. But from your research, and obviously you have a very detailed understanding of this, there, there's a real opportunity opportunity to prevent injuries before they actually occur, isn't there? A hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, there is. We have, like, there are proven injury prevention programs that are being shown to reduce the risk of injury out there. We actually have two specific to Gaelic games. We have one is the Activate GA warm up, which is developed by Ultra GA and Sinai, and the other is the GA 15, which is developed by the GA. And both of these um, have been shown to effectively reduce the injury risk in our Gaelic game sports. So not just ladies Gaelic football, but Gaelic football, hurling and camogie. Um, however, they're not commonly completed. So um, I have a, another PhD student, um, Calvin T, and he's completing his PhD in DCU. And this isn't published yet, but we're just uh, currently looking at across all the Gaelic Games um, sports, the use of injury prevention programmes. And they are so low. It's really concerning how low they're actually used. And we know they work. So I think it's really important for us to try to understand further why that is and design an injury prevention strategy and educate our members further to really increase the uptake on this. And, And I guess that's what we're planning to do next. There's a local link to your work here in Carlow and Kilkenny in your past work with the Camogie Association and of course at the moment with the Ladies Gaelic Football Association. Both counties are just really known for their, their strength and depth in, in those in both of those sports I should say but there's also a local link in the sense that Kilkenny's LMLI has been ruled out of next year's World Cup um, with the Irish senior women's team due to a cruciate injury unfortunately around the knee. 
are female sports people more prone to that type of injury and is that something that you pointed out in that particular research going back to your Camogie Association research a little bit earlier this year? Yeah, so we do know that our female athletes are at an increased risk of ACL injuries. And like I said earlier as well, like they they do account for 1 in 12 claims in this Ladies' Gaelic Football um, Association um, analysis that we did. So they are an issue in our female sports and we do have uh, research that shows how we can prevent them. So we can, um, you know, things like pyrometric exercises as part of your training and strength work and mechanics. And can can really help prevent those those injuries. Um, and again, it goes back to there are um, you know potentially physical reasons why there's an increased risk of ACL injuries in our female athletes, but there's also um, inequality risks as well. So again, like I said earlier, that access to medical professionals is one um, standard of training, or just you know um, access to strength and conditioning coaches and things like that. Um, the lack of all those um, high standard training can also increase your risk of ACL injuries too. So there is a physical increased risk, but just because you're a female doesn't mean you're definitely going to get them, right? We can prevent them and we, we can, you know, sometimes there is an element of bad luck. However, there are ways of minimising your risk, I guess, of um, sustaining an ACL injury. And um, that is really what we like to focus on because that's what's in our control, you know? And just to go through some of your many roles before I let you go, um, Dr. O'Connor, could you explain to us what you do as Associate Professor in Athletic Therapy and Training, first of all? Yeah, so I actually lecture on our undergraduate degree in Athletic Therapy and Training in DCU, and we also have a new uh, Master's in Athletic Therapy and Strength and Conditioning that's going to be um, basically starting from next year, which we're really excited about. So that's kind of my primary role is teaching on um, that programme, which I love. And my area of specialisation is injury prevention, of course. So that's what I teach all our students on. Um, and then obviously the research element of that then is, is large within the role. So we have teaching and research and I kind of really focus on the injury prevention work, um, particularly across community sports and especially female sports. That would be my main focus um, really in our, across Ireland. Um, yeah, that's basically my main role there. And you also have a role as Vice President of the World Federation of Athletic Training and Therapy. What is that federation for our listeners that maybe are unsure about it? And what does your job as Vice President entail? Yeah, so that's basically the global um, governing body for certified athletic therapists all across the world. So that's for uh, sports rehabilitators in the UK, um, athletic therapists in Ireland, athletic trainers in the US and athletic therapists in Canada. So, And we also have a presence in Japan and many other countries around the world. So that governing body essentially um, represents athletic therapists internationally. And essentially we try and ensure the high standards of care to athletes across the world as well. So it's a really exciting role because it's um, much broader than just Ireland. So you're looking at um, sport and occupational injuries um, across the world and seeing how we can prevent them and enhance our assessment and treatment of them. So it's a really exciting role and one I'm really glad to be involved in. You can tell by listening to you that you're incredibly passionate about the work that you do. When did you realise you were interested in this line of work and is there any particular reason why you are so passionate and engrossed in it? Yeah, so I guess I am a former ladies' Gaelic footballer. I played for my club in Carrington and County Cork where I'm originally from um, and then when I figured out I could become a certified athletic therapist and essentially work with sports all day long. I couldn't believe there was a job that did that. So I immediately um, put my name down for the degree. Actually, I did my degree in DCU in athletic therapy and training. And 
And then I guess working with clubs, um, I worked a lot with uh, Gale Games clubs primarily in Dublin when I graduated, it really brought home the importance of preventing injuries in the first place to, you know, help maximise availability of players to play for team. But keeping players playing, I guess, was a priority because I know myself when I got injured and, and the feelings I had when I was out of sport and, you know, you'd miss your sport and the crack of training, right, and all those other things. So it really got me interested in the area. And then I went on and did my PhD. Um, and my research since then has really focused on injury prevention primarily but I guess I have a from being a former ladies skilled footballer myself I have such a grow for ladies skilled football and really trying to prevent injury in that sport in particular so I'm very excited that um, our next step I guess to this project is we're really we're partnering with the LGFA and um, we're being funded by the Irish Research Council and the LGFA to essentially design an injury prevention strategy for all LGFA members and roll this out nationally so it's uh, basically the next step to this project and we can't wait to get started that's really interesting. We can't wait to see um, what your tremendous work uh, eventually proves to, to be. But with this particular paper now, before um, I, I let you go, Siobhan, the the cost of injury in ladies Gaelic football, a nine-year analysis of the LGFA's injury fund is what it's titled. Um, what are your hopes for it and what are your hopes moving forward? I know you kind of touched on it there. Yeah, yeah. So our real hopes with this, I guess this was really for us to really kind of set the scene and understand the issues with injuries at the moment um, and really want to build on this. And I guess what we want to do is essentially repeat this study in, you know, another few years time and hopefully see a, a drop in the injury rate. That's really what we're looking to do. Um, so we're, we're aiming to design an injury prevention strategy. Um, like I said, and, and the first steps of this have already started. We've actually started interviewing players and coaches and our next step is looking to interview underage um, ladies-scale footballers basically to find out what stops them from taking part in injury prevention, what would encourage them to take part in it, and what would they like to see in an injury prevention programme. So what would actually, like we know we have these injury prevention programmes that work, but people aren't doing them. So we're trying to link that. So what about them aren't working and how we can encourage them and support them to actually implement them as part of with their teams essentially so that's we're really excited from that we're getting some really interesting findings already from it and the other bit that I'm really passionate about as well with this, this project is we're also looking at referees and um, aiming to ensure we design and include an injury prevention strategy also for referees because as you well know referees are essential to the game without them we don't have matches right so um, making sure that they're also injury free is also a really important step as well so that that kind of next uh, step and then repeating this study again the the nine year analysis or even in a few years time and see our claim rates dropping I guess that's what we'd really love to see and hopefully that is what we'll see in the future Fingers crossed we do see it and congratulations on the great work as always Dr O'Connor and thanks very much for giving up the time of day to speak to me today That's great thanks so much for having me I really appreciate it had an absolutely cracking night of action last night in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium and a very well supported fundraiser for St. Lockton's GAA Club of Freshford and it was wonderful to see a cracking card on offer last night with the beginning of the 12,000 euro Deadly Kennels A2 competition kindly sponsored by Gary Hannon who owns the Deadly Prefix or any Greyhounds the likes of Deadly Destroyer, Deadly Crusader and so on. He's had some fantastic rounds over the years and much thanks to him for his very kind sponsorship. €12,000 in total, the prize fund for the Deadly Kennels A2 competition got underway last night and wonderful to see a fantastic turnout for the St. Lockton's GAA Club fundraiser. So check for Sir 
won the first heat of the first round of the 12,000 euro deadly kennels competition last night a time of 29 seconds by two and a half lengths very nice performance indeed at a price of five to four for the cashback syndicate and trainer carol's rams bottom in the second heat del cash depper came out on top here at a price of six to one nice odds if you were on those for joint owners michael and tom Doyle, very nice performance indeed, winning only by a short hit to Hello Sydney back in second. The third heat was won by Greg's Bubbly in a time of 28.87 by three quarters of length, staying on very strongly for owner-trainer Dara Morrissey, a very shrewd individual indeed, and Greg's Bubbly was certainly on the notebook of many punters last night. In the fourth heat, Nocturna Kilt came out on top here in a time of 28.99 at a price of a 5-2 to two and a winning distance of two lengths for trainer Thomas Lahey. And joint owners Thomas Lahey and Robbie Dowling. And the fifth heat was won by Priceless Opera. Fastest time of the competition in this one. 28.61 o'clock. For owners Brian and Kathleen Murphy and trainer Paul Hennessy. Who was a very shrewd individual indeed. And in fact has Greyhounds in action tonight. In the €30,000 to the winner. Irish Greyhound Laurels in Cork. So Priceless Opera came out on top in the fifth and final heat. Of the €12,000 Deadly Kennels. A2 competition in Kilkenny last night. Kilgraney Leo was back in second in short notice, back in third. So a cracking competition this year. And we are really looking forward to the second round next Friday night. And well done to St. Lockton's GA Club of Freshford having their fundraiser very well supported in Kilkenny last night. We're looking forward to many more fundraisers ahead in Kilkenny over the coming months. Definitely a fantastic option for any GA clubs or charities or organisations looking to have a fundraiser, even a fun night out. As we said, in Cork tonight, the Irish Greyhound Laurels semi-finals takes place €30,000 to the winner. This one, it's a whopping prize money. The first heat is a cracking affair with the likes of Ballymac Whisper for the Dowling family. Back in Kerry, Droopy's Edison is in trap. Three in the first semi-final, having won in 28-21 last week. And 27-98 the week before that, he is an absolute machine for Robert Gleeson, a very shrewd trainer indeed, who an Irish Derby winning trainer indeed. The second semi-final has plenty of local interest in and this one. Priceless King runs in trap one for trainer Paul Hennessy and owners the Murphy family. Finished very well last week, doing a clock of 28-71. And has a nice draw in trap one. Right beside Priceless King in trap two is good Cody for the Kennedy family, whose father John comes from Erlingford. He won last week in 2844, perhaps one of the fastest greyhounds in the country, and has a massive chance in this year's Irish Greyhound Laurels. And in trap six in the second semi final, JT Wexford for John Turner and Paul Hennessy. Finished third last week, earning his semi final spot. And has the likes of 28-37 done around in a A very, very fast greyhound indeed. Could yet have a big say in this year's 30,000 George to the winner. Irish greyhound Laurel. So best of luck to all our local dogs in action down in Cork tonight. Elsewhere, up in Shelburne, we have the RPGTV Puppy Oak semi-finals on tonight. 5,000 euro to the winner of this one. It's a cracking competition year in, year out. So we're really, really looking forward to that. Best of luck to our local runners there in the first semi-final priceless flyer another priceless dog running for the hennessy murphy combination one first time out in inniscorty in a time of 28.96 looks a real nice prospect runs from trap four in the first semi-final of the rpg tv poppy oaks derby winning owner william hanlon local owner should i say 
has a ground in action in the second semi-final with Ballygar Sherry running from trap three in the second semi-final and has a big say having won in Shelburne Park in 28-82 already has shown her ability and certainly has a big engine so best of luck to William Hanlon who also has a runner in the third semi-final with Ballygar Ann from trap six trained by Michael Donnelly won around Limerick in 28-56 not so long ago and 28-66 the previous week before that is certainly a very bright prospect for William Hanlon who is on absolute fire at the moment had a a big winner down in Limerick recently, was involved in the Irish Greyhound Derby winner this year and now has a strong team in the Poppy Oaks in Shelburne Park tonight. So best of luck to all our local runners in the Poppy Oaks in Shelburne. Best of luck to our local runners in the Irish Greyhound Laurels. 30,000 euro to that one. And well done to all involved in Kilkenny Greyhound Stadium last night for the St. Lockton's Freshford GAA Club fundraiser. And we're looking forward to a cracking second round of the Deadly Kennels A2 competition. Well done to Stories Peewee last week as well, who finished second in the Yvonne Barry Track Bookmaker Open 600 for owner Gavin O'Mahony and trainer Mert Lahey. Fantastic dog indeed, the Stories Peewee. And looking forward to hearing him being in the winner's enclosure many nights ahead. So well done to all. And we're looking forward to a cracking night of Greyhound action across the country. Competition I did last May, UK Strongest Man, and the quarterfinals are on tonight, and that's my last night now, last, my last day, because I made as far as the quarterfinals, that's on tonight at 7 o'clock. Oh, very nice. What channel is it again? Channel 5. Channel 5, if you want to see Davy do your thing. This is obviously before that big injury that you suffered. Yeah, I got, got injured over there, uh, the first injury over there, and the second injury two weeks after that, but yeah, that was, that was the start of it. And how frustrating then is that when you're in a competition that is so hotly contested to receive an injury while you're playing? Do, do you immediately pull out? Do you try and go, maybe maybe it's a mental thing as well, as opposed, or do you just know your body so well at this stage that you knew it was a physical thing that you just couldn't go through? Um, yeah, I, just, I got injured on the first day, the first event. <laughs> so it was what it was. It, it just... I was able to continue, thankfully, and got into the quarterfinals after. But, uh, yeah, I think after, towards the halfway through the quarterfinals, the body had enough. And I did what I could. I didn't make the final, obviously. But, um, you know, it was just one of those things where we well looked after over there, physios and ice bats. And it was just one of those things. And I think just the adrenaline kept me going because it was that was my first ever uh, you know, professional the big show. So I just wanted to keep going. And it... it it kind of it hindered me at the end where I was out. I've been out rehabbing out for the last three months, so four months. But uh, yeah, you know what it was. It was just that's a sport, unfortunately. But it was a great experience for myself to get to that level and keep pushing hard. Yeah, still rehabbing then now. I am starting back, as I say. I say myself, real training tomorrow. Real training, real training yeah. tomorrow. Oh wait, no, <laughs> I I'm training with you tomorrow as well. You don't have to start with me or anything. No, no, I'll do my own thing. Do your own thing separate then. <laughs> I don't think you'd be able to keep up with me there, Davy. No, I'm going to live not. to regret that. Uh, Davy, uh, training with yourself. The, the the blog post will be going up on scoreline.ie a bit later. But I wanted to talk to you a bit about burnout, and it's a lot of things that people experience, whatever they're going on in their life, uh, whether it be family commitments, work commitments. Uh, 
playing with clubs, whatever they're doing. Uh, burnout can be quite real and it can be quite hard to keep the energy up for a training session, especially when you're doing a personal training session. Maybe that's where I fell behind when I went out on my own. It was just trying to keep that motivation up. What would you advise to keep that going? Um, the main thing, like, I, it's kind of, we want to stimulate our muscles, not eliminate. So sometimes people go in and just wreck themselves. And like we had this conversation before, saying a few times yourself when you were running, and you're literally just wrecking yourself running. You know, there was no, but there wasn't. There was a thought process in it, but there wasn't. You know, there wasn't a, a proper thought process, process in the sense of like progression where you were going out. The days you were feeling good, you were really pushing yourself to the limit. And then that the byproducts of that then was you being wrecked and not being able to do the same distance or what you should be able to do then the next time. And it's the same in any time. I, I, and everyone makes those mistakes. That's what happened to me with that UK strongest man. I went over, I pushed myself hard. I was delighted with myself that I was able to continue even when I injured myself. And two weeks later, stupidly, uh, thought I was He-Man and, and went to do another competition, the one that was in my gym uh, in Kilkenny. Two weeks later, and same thing, first event, um, bang, gone again. And, I, and, and stupidly again, I continued on. That whole event, and that really, that's what pushed out the whole rehab and off-season for, for three and a half months, and I missed out on two or three big competitions because of that. The main thing is just you have to kind of structure your training, and, and, you know, and that's what we do with all of our clients, is make sure everything is structured. There's not too much jumps in one week, like you're not trying to go lift 20 kilo heavier or... Five, run 5k longer or beat your time by running in five minutes in one day that that doesn't it can happen but you know that, that'll end up wrecking yourself and not being in progress long term then so it's discipline then is it yeah it's just it's discipline and it's like you know taking all the small wins and all the small wins add up to big ones eventually do you know what I mean and, and not always striving for massive results all the time because really that's not there's no longevity in that where you have to just kind of build up your results over time and I was saying that the best way to kind of explain it is if a person keeps losing two pounds each week or a pound each week long term over the space of six months that's a lot of weight rather than going really hard and trying to lose like you know half stone in a week something stupid like that and then you know people's energy will be so low that they won't be able to sustain that and end up giving up and end up putting on weight yeah, because you see a lot of crash uh, diets that are out there. I know someone that was on the liquid diet for a long, long time, had amazing results, but wasn't able to continue that. Uh, re- reached a plateau in his liquid diet, went back to solids, and then put all put back on all the weight that he gained. Yeah, exactly. And that's all those slimming words stuff and all that kind of rubbish. Is. It's like that. It doesn't teach people how to, to live properly in the sense of healthy nutrition and a, a proper exercise, and it's just kind of jumping the gun, you know, people in it. I get that, like, I'm one of those people who I wanted to compete with the, the biggest, best lads in the country, in, in the world, and then go again two weeks later. And that, that obviously, I found out the hard way wasn't the way to do it, but, and that's with someone with 10 years of experience, it's just, sometimes we just want too much too fast, and we, we have to learn the hard way. Uh, over the course of uh, a 10-week kind of program, then you're kind of teaching these things where someone is coming in, they're not trying to lift heavy, but do you expect at the end of the t- 10 weeks to have significant results? Yeah, exactly. And like, like I just said, all those little gains, and everyone's so different. Like, 
like you're fairly different to, to most people that would come into us to do a timing program because you're already fit, you're already strong, you know what I mean? It's just it's more fine tuning with you and make sure you're keeping on track and not overdoing it. While some people most people that come into us are, you know, we're starting them off, they're this is their very first time in the gym, you know, they have no experience with nutrition or you know, and they're a totally different level too. Well, Right, this week we can do X amount. Next week we'll try a new Y. And this week now you're you're doing so so good on your diet. Now next week we want to be a bit better. And and over the space of ten weeks, then that person lose two stone and drop, and they get the result they want, and everyone's happy. Now going into a training session, a particularly tough one that was had on Tuesday, and maybe it, it is good to kind of cater certain training sessions, uh, particularly on leg day as well. I, I notice that there's a quite there's there's a lot of fun that happens around the gym when when this stuff's happening. Maybe a bit of bravado and machismo and all that kind of stuff going on. But that was one of the days where I felt flying, I felt great, and I tried to push myself to the limit. But then on Thursday, even the thoughts of going into the gym, it was just it, it was kind of put me in a bad mood all the day because I didn't have a lot left in the tank it seemed by those days so how how do you structure that when you are feeling good you might want to pu- push it just that small bit like it, it is it completely not advisable to do that yeah it, it's kind of it's kind of totally down to the person but yeah when, when you're when you're going well and like i said take your take your small wins don't go crazy you always have to leave there's, another, there's always going to be more training sessions there's going to be a lot more you know um especially with I found out myself over the years and I have a program, I need to hit X, Y and Z, hit that. If they're comfortable, if they're really comfortable, that's great. Don't go anymore. Just save it for the next day. And yeah, same as yourself. You maybe went a little bit too overboard on the leg day and you suffered then on the, the next day for, because of that. A lot of people will be suffering now as well from Kilkenny and Carlo after doing the Dublin Marathon. Maybe they find that their feet are swelling or they'll have delayed onset muscle kind of uh, problems. So what would be advisable for them? Would it be similar to what the, the the advice that you gave for recovery for the hurlers last weekend? Yeah, the big thing with Martin and any, any, any people who train over the years of Martin is, is hydration. Hydration is a big thing. So, so much fluid is going to have to come out of the person. So marathon run, full marathon run is such a serious sport and, you know, it's so demanding on the body. Anyone that's especially heading towards in, in like three hours and that their body's under so much pressure to get that that fast of a time. Um, yeah, water and, and food are going to be number one for me anyway to, to get that in. And then after, once you get home and all that, a little bit foam rolling and stretching and if anyway at all get into Sort of cold water and sort of an ice bath and like that, and that'll help the lactic acid get out of the body. But yeah, that's why a lot of people would, a lot of people unfortunately with marathon running binge eat after it, eat bad foods and all that, full of fats and stuff, and they be craving that because it's such a hard, hard sport. But I'd recommend getting a load of water and sugars and salt first, rehydrate the body, and then after that, then a proper meal, and then foam roll and then ice. Sounds delightful. Davy. I'll be seeing you tomorrow on Davy Jones Fitness. If anybody wants to see you, they can check out Davy Jones Fitness on Instagram. Very active on there. You can see some of the clients and some of the results as well that you've had with them. Yeah, that's exactly it. If anyone wants to contact us, Facebook or Instagram, Davy Jones Fitness, our website, davyjonesfitness.ie. All our um, memberships are there. You can avail of any of the memberships anytime. Davy, until tomorrow, thanks very much. Thanks, Shane. See you then. Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness, one of Ireland's strongest men.
Now, we're going to switch attention from soccer to squash. And I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Carlos Squash Club captain Finton Alwell. Finton, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, Shane. How are you keeping? I'm very good. I'm very good. Squash isn't something that we generally get to talk about when on scoreline, but there's been some tremendous success that can't be ignored. A very successful period for the club. How has the year gone for Carlos Squash in general? Yeah, yeah, it's actually going really well so far. In fairness, the uh, the season is only really getting going there now from uh, September. Uh, quite quite a time during the summer, but we've had some uh, great achievements from a uh, good few players now over the club over the last kind of 12 months or so. Yeah, we were following Willie's journey in the Masters there as well. Willie Hosey, that is, uh, had a few articles on him in regards to it, but just an amazing year for himself, another championship. Another championship, yeah, my uncle actually, Willie is. Um, he's um, He won the over 60s World Championship this year again. Well, again, I say he's uh, we've had a few, few, few World Championships from Willie over the last couple of years, and of course, he's won many. Uh, national championships as well so he's a great driving force I suppose and kind of uh, the role model we're all looking up to in the club and, and look, looking to kind of emulate that uh, the achievements he's got over the years you know And you're talking about the club how many people are we talking about that are invested in it within Carlo in itself? Well the club itself is um, I, I'm pretty sure it's over 1200 members now at the moment over the three sports with, with, with the tennis, badminton uh, and squash Wow So there's ma- ma- massive membership there between uh, adults and juniors very much a, a family friendly club um, where we have kind of um, adults bringing their children there playing all the different sports and, and that's how we got there how, how we all started there myself and a lot of the friends that I've made over the years through, through the club itself we see them coming back with their kids now so a fantastic uh, place to bring the kids over to all the three sports you know I was going to ask you did you find it tough bringing people back considering that you know you're in that proximity of a squash court but since the pandemic you've obviously not had any trouble I think I think being locked up for all that that, that, that meant the time or lent the time even training or whatever people were doing with their, their home workouts and stuff like that on their own gets a bit lonely you know so as soon as the club opened back up there were the, the, the people were only only queuing up to get in and play a bit uh People hadn't been playing together, I suppose, so it was great. And, and it seems that uh, it's getting great traction at the moment anyway because we've new members coming in on a, on a daily, weekly basis to play any of the sports uh, across the across this, the club. We see that a lot when when uh, something is happening and it, it's successful. So you see that a lot of success brings more people out of the woodwork, whether it be uh, Irish boxing and how successful we were at that. Cricket, of course, are doing well at the T20. Anytime, uh, you know, Irish soccer team does well. If there's an All-Ireland on, people want to get out and play in it. But looking at Kira Maloney Doheny, who was crowned Munster Senior Champion, a women's over 35 champion recently. It's been a great season for her. Does victories like that help raise the spirit of the club and then, by proxy, attract new members? Yeah, absolutely. Like we've got a, we've got a in the squash now specifically. We've uh, we've Kira who's flying there now the the season so far. Um, more a lot more tournaments to come. They're the only there. That's the first two tournaments there of the year really she's played in. And you see, we have a couple of beginners nights there, and the beginners will be watching Kira playing, going oh, and the juniors of course as well. Um, and they're looking, Jesus, look what look what she's doing there, and they're looking up to it, looking to do it. I suppose trying trying to. Uh, take after what she's doing and, and showing, the, she's showing the, the the lads how to play you know and you see a lot of uh, players represented Ireland as well so like to Claire oh, O'Neill yeah. Sam Alwell Willie and Kira, two people who we just mentioned also yeah they'd, they'd be kind of they'd be the most recent 
guys that have rep- represented Ireland in the club. Over the years, we've had many, many others there across it. Just to name a few, we've got the two Burns, Brian and Rory. Um, Arthur Gaskin, Eugene Devereaux, Brian Gaskin. There's too many to name at this stage. Who've, I suppose they've represented Leinster provincially. Um, they've represented their schools throughout the years. Uh, along with Ireland, of course, the, the, the cream of the crop kind of representing Ireland. But the lads this year, Kira, Claire, Willie, Sam, they've represented in different day, different uh, tournaments, Europeans, World Championships and uh, Home International. So great little buzz around the club for the squash side things and also for the other sports as well. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's uh, the tennis is flying as well. They've got kind of senior senior tennis throughout the year, uh, monthly club nights. You've got your... Uh, social tennis nights as well every day and a fantastic junior program there where Brian the coach is really uh, really putting in the effort and they've got a fantastic kind of every day of the week they've coaching going on in there the same with the badminton the badminton is flying as well um, with kind of all adults and juniors as well and there they've got adult club nights three four times a week junior coaching every every Saturday morning then during the week as well and they've got many teams in South Leinster leagues as well you know so the club is Club is really doing well, and we just want to get that exposure out there to let people know kind of what what kind of uh, the amenities that are there. Are very close, right in the middle of town, and accessible to everybody. And, and if you're letting people know as well, how can they get in touch? I see that you're quite active on social media. Yeah, we have uh, the social media side. We got to, and our main website, CarloLPC dot uh, com, is the main website where we've got all the information. But you go through your Facebook, uh, Facebook have we've. Facebook page for Carlo Tennis, the Badminton, um, the Tennis Club itself, and Carlo Squash all across the the normal social platforms. You know that you can get in touch. But we have uh, the club is there. It's, it's accessible to, to anyone at most evenings of the to come in and have a chat with any of the. the there's always someone there to have a chat with if they're looking to kind of become a member. We've uh, something I suppose with, with, with some people might not know whether they're into it or not. So we have um, a great opportunity there for a try before you buy where you can come along, 20 quid will get you four visits to the club to play on any of the sports, uh, including the squash, tennis, badminton. And if you do decide that you're like, yeah, I really enjoy this, that 20 euro will come off your main membership as well. So it's a great incentive to come along, try it out and see see, see how you get on. And one of the things that you were talking about, and you mentioned, say, the age and the masters and all that kind of stuff, it really seems that it is a continuous I wouldn't even say hobby because you're doing it at such a competitive level. It's a continuous sport that people can invest themselves in all throughout life. Absolutely, yeah. It's a fantastic sport to play. I suppose the, the, the best thing is the friends that you make across. Uh, we all like to win as well. Like, But the friends you've made across the years, like I'm playing squash 20 plus years now, along with Kira, Sam, Claire, all, all the guys that are playing at a high level still. Um, I suppose you just... It's, it's, it's just the... the the buzz of it, it's fantastic. The minute you come off the court, it's great for the endorphins. It's great for your health. It's great for social side of things because uh, it's like a big family up there in the club. You know, everybody knows each other and we're all there to play. Whether you're playing at a high level, the likes of Kira, Sam, Claire, Willie, or even the beginners nights that we have running twice a week there, the lads will get in and play with the beginners and all. So it's a great kind of incentive for the beginners when they see uh, the much higher level and the elite level players playing in the club. They like to get involved and they're happy that the, the guys will give them a bit of time. There's always that bit of time that the, the high-level players will give the beginners just to give them a couple of tips, how to, give them a good run, get a good sweat on, you know. 
And Fintan, like from myself, uh, someone who has always played, say, team sports as opposed to individual sports, whether it be basketball or rugby or soccer, I'm, I'm well used to the concept of what a captain is. Um, but for an individual sport, how does that change? You're, as I mentioned, and as I introduced you, the Carlos Squash Club captain. So what does that entail when it has an individual aspect of it? Yeah, so it's absolutely something um, in, within the clubs themselves, across all kind of racket clubs, and that would have a captain. It's just basically to keep uh, to keep a focus on developing the squash, kind of putting together tournaments, leagues, and stuff like that. Like over the summer, there we had uh, the summer squash league, where we had six teams playing in it on a weekly basis, where we would have each other. Uh, you you play someone else of a similar level, and we top three in each group. It's just to promote those, get them organised put the, the schedule in place for play, um, any tournaments, any leagues, and to put together updates for anything anything that the club needs to get across to the members. You're kind of just a, the, uh, the in-between the members and the committee there, just make sure that everybody is getting on, uh, everything is done. We have a regular supply of squash tournaments, coaching, uh, club nights, social nights, all that kind of stuff. It's just to keep that going so that the members have so they're not just coming up, arriving, having a game. They actually have something to come up for, you know. We've also got the bar there as well, which is open at the weekends. It's always nice to have a have a drink and a social social bit of time together after the sports as well. Uh, you mentioned that the season is only really in its infancy now at the moment. Uh, what can you look forward to coming up for the rest of the campaign? Um, well, for the squash there, yes, it only starts in September, really. It's, it's The summer is a break and kind of just to wind down from the, I suppose, May, starting then in August again, end of August. We've got a lot of the provincial tournaments coming up. Um, we've got the, the, the first first major one, uh, Munster, and then the over 35 Irish Open that Kira was uh, successful in winning. This weekend, actually, the Connacht Open so is on over in Galway. Uh, two weeks' time, we've got the Ulster Open, and it just kind of moves along. Then it'll turn to, um, rather than provincial, to national tournaments. We've got uh, adults, masters, and all junior tournaments across the board as well, going through till... Uh, I suppose April and that and all of those provincial tournaments that the that the people are playing in and competing in are all geared towards making that Irish team at the end of the year. You know, the more the more points you can rack up throughout the year, the better chance you have of getting on those Irish teams. That sounds exciting. Anyway, uh, Fintan, what I have you from a Kilkenny perspective as well? Uh, is there anything that our Kilkenny listeners uh, can go towards if they wanted to uptake this? Do you have a, a rival club down here in the southeast? I I I I think there's I know there's one down in Freshford I believe I know it's outside of the the the, the city itself and I believe there may be one inside one of the barracks down in Kilkenny there was anyway before COVID whether that has opened back up or not I'm not too sure but we're only 15 minutes up the road there if you are interested in coming up the road you know always the sales and Finton love it and I no doubt we'll be talking to you throughout the year as well thanks very much for giving us a rundown on all things Carlos Squash Club and once again you mentioned. Very active on social media, but what was that website once again? Uh, CarloLTC.com will have all the information about the club itself. Uh, I'd just like to say hello there, if that's all right to someone, Shane, that they're listening. To, uh, you can somewhere. say hello to anyone, Finton. Take it over, sir. Uh, yeah. uh, my, little, my little fella, little Finn, and the bowl Charlie, my nephew, are listening on the radio there. Uh, they're fantastic. They're the next breed of uh, the Irish representatives we have coming through the squash squash ranks itself and then we have Lily my little niece there as well she hasn't started yet but I'm sure she won't be long on the court as well
Little Finn, the Bowl, Charlie and Lily. I love it, Finton. Thanks ever so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us today. You can go back and you can get prepared for Halloween now with Little Finn. Ciao, Shane. Have a good one, lad. Thanks for the time. To you, same to you, Finton Allwell, Carlo Squash Club captain. So much happening within Kenny and Carlo, and sometimes we might take our eye off the ball when we're in the throes of a Kenny Championship or a Carlo Championship, indeed. And now we're in the provincial side of things, but it's always great to catch up with uh, minority sports, as some people might like to call them. And Finton. Great getting to see what he's doing. We're going to be chatting snooker a bit later, cricket a bit later after that as well. Don't worry, we're not going to take a ride too much off the ball from GEH. Why would we? Over to cricket, there was a historic victory for the Irish cricket team against England there during the week. Their game against Afghanistan got rained off in the MCG over in Melbourne, I believe. But they split points. I don't really know what happened in regards to that. Maybe this man can give us a bit of an insight. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the Midlands Development Officer for cricket, Bernard O'Mara, as he looks back on that historic week for the Irish men's cricket team. Bernard, thanks very much for coming on. Great to be on again. Uh, Bernard, first of all, we know all the tremendous work that's happening locally, but when something happens at a national level, that helps kind of spur people on to get invested in the game. So looking at that, what a victory against England during the week. Yeah, it's really important um, with, with with cricket being a minority sport in Ireland that the national team does well. Um, a lot of the uh, improvement in participation numbers has kind of come off the back of when the national team does well. So... For example, in 2007, when Ireland bet Pakistan on uh, St. Patrick's Day and then the infamous win then against uh, England in Bangalore uh, with Kevin O'Brien making the quickest uh, ODI 100, which, which or World Cup ODI 100, which still stands. And then again in the 2015 World Cup um, when, when we, when we uh, did well there also in Australia and New Zealand. So it's something that's really important uh, for the cricket that um, this, you know, that, that the national team does well. And again, this is hopefully now for this generation of Irish players that this will uh, do something similar to what it has done with, with, with other with other national teams. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, what, 11 years ago, that famous win against England, but there's been some great famous wins that kind of helped spur it on. You mentioned 2015 against the West Indies, that game. You mentioned Pakistan. How much is the current team based on results like that, would you reckon? So I would say that um, over the past few years, the national team probably hasn't been doing as well as it would have hoped. And um, that's why it's so important that the fact of that they got into the Super 12s uh, uh, round of the competition is something that's massive. I mean, this is the first time that uh, Ireland have gotten to this stage in the T20 World Cup since 2009. So um, I suppose kind of going into the competition, um, I suppose there would have been kind of uh, low expectations there, you know, from, from the public. But... Um, you know, I think the best that we would have got a hope for would have been getting into the Super 12s from the kind of the, the first round. So the fact of that we are able to um, to go and beat the West Indies this time and go and beat Scotland, uh, as I said, in the first round to be able to go and qualify for this, to be able to have scalps such as what we had against England is something that's it's great. It's fantastic, and and uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's hopefully again this will this will you know spur on uh, new kids um, to be able to 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 take to the game. Uh, we mentioned the weather and getting rained off against Afghanistan on Friday. Has that played into their game at all? Obviously, England would have a similar climate to ourselves, but would that pose any benefit towards the Irish cricket team, knowing the climate that we have here in Ireland? 
Well, I think it would it would help with, with regards to conditions and how to look to play conditions. Um, on the day, um, there was a lot of rain around, and um, uh, one of the things I guess that England or that you would look to do um, is to look to try and pitch the ball up more, so to be able to get swing on the ball, so it makes it harder for the batters to be able to play uh, the game or to play uh, the ball. And probably in uh, Ireland's innings, England didn't do that uh, early on, and they kind of went more with more short pitch tactics, which probably went against them. While when uh, Ireland were bowling, um, if you look at the uh, delivery that Fionn Han delivered to, to Ben Stokes, um, the ball swung in and it deceived Ben uh, to get him out. And um, so I would say in that respect, that uh, we knew, you know, just just from playing in I suppose our own conditions to look to try and pitch up the ball, and um, which we did better than England, which probably gave us the got us ahead of the game before um, Mo Nally and Liam Livingston uh, for England were looking to try and drag it back from but I'd say because of that um, you know they did well uh, which was again you know uh, looking to play um, the game rather than kind of just only just the tactics and kind of thinking on their feet rather than just you know looking at things such as say you know in Australian conditions where usually in Australia you look to maybe pitch it back of a length and um, you know their boundaries would be probably bigger than what you'd normally see traditionally, say in England or Ireland. So um, you'd have to give credit to the Irish team the way that they bowled towards England, so that it got us ahead of the game and it allowed us to then win um, on Dr. Lewis. Would Ireland be disappointed with the the splitting of the points between Afghanistan and Ireland? Would you have predicted that they would have been looking to take an underscalp in this one? Yeah, I, I would say. With Ireland getting into the Super 12s, the game that I think that Ireland would have focused on to look to win would have been Afghanistan. Ireland played a series against Afghanistan earlier in the year in Ireland, and uh, we won the series 3-2. So the teams know each other very well, um, and I think it would have been a game that Ireland would have looked at and gone, yes, that's the game that we, out of all of them, that we would like to win. And then if we get a scalp against uh, you know, any of the other teams, you know, Sri Lanka or Australia or England um, or New Zealand, then that would be a bonus. But uh, I suppose we kind of got the bonus first, which was great, but it was just a bit disappointing, I guess, that we couldn't play the game um, against uh, Afghanistan. But look, that's that's just that's just the way cricket goes. That you know, sometimes that happens like that. But um, look, they still got a couple of games left, which is, which is great, and hopefully we'll be able to get another scalp against um, either Australia or New Zealand. Yeah, they're up against Australia, I believe, tomorrow. Is it starting at 8 o'clock in the morning? But like, just from my time when I lived in Australia, just to put it into perspective from people, it is taken as seriously as hurling, say, it would be taken here in Ireland. It's such it's, it's so embedded within the culture over there. So considering that, how would you rate Ireland's chances? Unlikely, but I mean, look, I mean, if you looked at the England game, I mean, England are one of the favourites to win it. Um, they're the ODI World Champions. There's still many players from that team who won the ODI World Cup three years ago, still in the squad. Um, and uh, before the game, everyone would have thought England were going to win it. Um, so, you know, I mean, this is the great things about World Cups that you're able to have these situations where you can have scouts and that you can have, you know, um, unexpected victories, which is which has happened a couple of times already so far in the tournament. Um, so you'd be looking to do something similar again uh, against against uh, either Australia or New Zealand. Both teams are in good form. Um, so look, look, it's not going to be easy, but look, you, look, similar to England, you never know what could happen. You never know what could happen. With England being considered favourites and losing to Ireland, have they lost that tag now? 
Well, it's going to be a bit more of a struggle for them to get through. Um, similar to ourselves against Afghanistan, they had a washout against Australia. Um, and if if they had lost that, they were probably out of it. Because if you lose two games in, in the in the Super 12s, you're most likely not going through. Very difficult to have three wins and to to still get through. You're really, you know to be kind of guaranteed to get through to the semi-finals. You really need four wins. So. England are still on very very much on the knife edge um, to to qualify so um, and and kind of similar to itself so look it's still everything to play for which is which is great you know and um, it'll probably still go down to kind of the last the last round of games but um, uh, yeah that's that's the way it is for England at, at the moment I mean the the big I suppose the big thing for them is that they lost against you know they lost against Ireland you know and they're they're behind the eight ball as a result after that and then the result against Australia where it was a no result. Uh, didn't go for them, um, so they need two wins from their last two games to have to have a, to have any hope really of, of getting through to the semi-finals. Even if they win those last two games, they mightn't get through. So that's that's the way it is with 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 this tournament, which is which is great to see that that there is that unexpectedness coming about it rather than just predictable. You know, you know what the scores are. You know, so um, I think that's something that's been really exciting to see in this World Cup. Adding to the excitement. Bernard, last time we spoke, uh, you were doing a lot of work with schools, being the development officer of the Midlands. You were in a lot of schools and we can see online very active, just uh, going to schools and going to the various different places. So how's things looking on the local side of things? Yeah, it's been great. Um, uh, so uh, the summer has finished up now. Uh, so the cricket season's over now. Um, and, and it's been really good, especially with, with youth cricket. A lot of, lot of games being played. Um, coming up now, going into schools uh, across, uh, you know, Carlow and Kilkenny, which is which is great to see. Um, and so far, you know, uh, schools are very receptive to, to having cricket because it is something different. That it isn't the usual sport that they might play in. And not everybody likes your rugby. Not everybody likes your your, your football. Not everybody likes you know your hurling or your Gaelic football, etc. So it's given those kids an opportunity to be able to to be exposed to it. And as a result, hopefully, then to be able to go and pick up cricket then in the local cricket club if they're enjoying it in their school, you know. Um and I think one of the things over over the twenty twenty three season what we're really looking to try and focus on is trying to have more uh, women and girls involved in the cricket. because um, I think it's really important to, to be as inclusive as possible as a sport. So um a lot of work is going in in the background to be able to have the structures in place so that girls can be training with girls and that we can have a team for them and as well as that then for the for the clubs in the area so where women are playing the sport also so um small baby steps with that but they're really really encouraging signs at the moment and and hopefully uh, all things being equal that um We'll have we'll have strong sections uh, across the board as, with, with women and girls. Do you notice that there's a lot of transferable skills with some of the sports that you may have said? Because when you're growing up, when you're in school, you're going out for PE. You might be playing soccer, you might be playing rugby, but predominantly, especially from a Kilkenny perspective, you're probably out there playing hurling. So, is there transferable skills between hurling and cricket? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at I mean, in hurling you got to cast the ball in cricket, you got to cast the ball in hurling you got to strike the ball in cricket, you got to strike the ball. In you know in 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 hurling camogie you know you, you got to run you got to sprint you got to stop. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. A lot of um, you know, a, a lot of stop start actions that going on in cricket too. So um, very much tra- transferable skills. I know myself from you know uh, playing hurling, being from Kilkenny, that you know the hand-eye coordination with being able to bat has certainly helped me with with being able to to play cricket and d- develop my cricket skills. You know, so oh, very much so and. And especially at that young age, it's just go let 
go let kids play every sport, let them be able to develop their fundamental movement skills. And, and then after that, then as, as they get a bit older, then they can decide whatever sport they want to play. But certainly get out there, go and enjoy, enjoy whatever sport you're playing. And play as much as you can. And then from a Kilkenny perspective, we have Kilkenny from a Carlo perspective, Bagelstown and Carlo Cricket Club as well. So there's a good few options for people if they want to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, always looking for new members and it's it's forever going, growing at the moment, which which has been really exciting to see. So uh, look, uh, all things are, are good and strong now at the moment with the Cricket and hopefully it'll, it'll continue into the future. Bernard, absolute pleasure getting to talk to you, giving us an insight into cricket and Ireland's World Cup campaign. No doubt we'll be talking to you again very, very soon, but thanks very much for taking the time today, sir. No worries, thanks very much. Bernard O'Mara there, Development Officer of Midlands Cricket, and it's always great to get to talk to Bernard, always informative, and if you are interested in picking up a cricket bat, or if you're interested in a bit of bowling, and I don't mean the 10-pin one, no, get down to Bagnellstown, Carlo or Kilkenny Cricket Club, they'll be more than happy to assist you, and I can attest to that, the guys are, and girls are great down there. We're going to take a quick ab break, don't go anywhere. And that's been Scoreline Extra. You can catch the show live with myself and Robbie every weekend from 2 to 6. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and remember, you're sound out. Mm-hmm.